Welcome to the very first episode of the Bloodsucking Geeks Podcast, dedicated to the very best and most blood-curdling worst in the dark halls of horror, where we record each and every episode in honor of our Lord and Savior, the Venerable Joe Bob Briggs. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and joining me are the rest of the Bloodsucking Geeks. We've got Corey, Robert, and Cody. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up? good. Ready to do oh, this. Let's Howdy. get this going. I'm super excited. So, uh, just to let everyone know who's listening, uh, we're all childhood friends. We grew up in a suburb suburb of Fort Worth, <laughs> Texas, uh, called Crowley. Um, and we kind of started our journey into horror movies uh, probably in the late 80s or so around that time. Um, we kind of grew up uh, and shared our love of horror throughout middle and high school. And that love for horror has continued in each of our lives, despite us all going our separate ways uh, as we kind of journeyed into adulthood. Um, in this uh, podcast, in each episode of the uh, the podcast, we're going to take a look at a different film from our vault of horror to discuss all the gruesome and macabre details that make it great or ultimately terrible. And we will end with a, uh, a rating of sorts that will change from movie to movie. Um, but we'll definitely give each of our, our ratings for that. Um, and in our first episode, we're going to be looking at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. But before we get into the movie, I think we should properly introduce ourselves and let everyone know who the blood-sucking geeks are. <laughs> so, Corey, uh, why don't we start with you? Talk about um, how you first got into horror and some of your early memories of that, and some of your your favorite uh, horror movies from your childhood. All right, so uh, my history of horror started with a bunch of very bad parenting decisions. <laughs> uh, my father was the type that thought it was appropriate for a three-year-old to watch uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and things like that. <laughs> so I remember, you know, cuddled up next to my mom, four-year-old Corey, watching these movies, begging them to let me watch it. Then, you know, five minutes in, I'm shitting myself, scared shitless. <laughs> uh, but I kept doing it. Uh, every time I would watch Ghostbusters, the very first scene, one of my favorite movies, but that very first scene when the librarian lady turns Aww. into the monster, I always had to close my eyes. And I, I mark it as a point in my uh, adolescence and, I guess, puberty even, when uh, I could watch that scene without crying. So uh, at that point, I knew I was a man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, uh, horror movies for me have always been my favorite, uh, at this point in my life, that's pretty much all I watch. I get kind of grumpy when I have to, uh, watch something more family friendly with the children or with my wife, but, uh, they tolerate it. Um, I really like, uh, the thing I would say is probably my favorite of all time. John Carpenter's, mm. uh, not this shitty remake. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, anything, uh, the more depraved and disgusting or just plain terrible, because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but uh, the way we used to do it in the old days, go to the mall, go to Suncoast Video, just find something that we could afford at some points and try to pick the dumbest thing we could find and take it home and watch it. And uh, so the more negative reviews a movie gets, the more I want to see it. So hopefully we'll see some of those things uh, as we go through this podcast journey. We're going to watch some of the shittiest horror movies <laughs> of all time during our journey uh, into this. Uh, and I, I can't wait. We're definitely going to – we want to um, – obviously, we're going to pick some of the classics. Like, we're starting with uh, Chainsaw 2, I think, uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a classic in its own right. But we're going to be looking at some of the, like, the schlockiest, shittiest horror movies as well. So there's going to be a good balance between – legit great horror and just the bottom of the barrel bullshit you know are we gonna do anything like hogzilla because that was one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i i i missed out on hogzilla uh oh god last, um is it on uh shutter streaming or is it not even no that on one anymore? is uh the first movie scare package comes out later this week but hogzilla should be available and you need to check it out it's so bad, it's fantastic. Oh, it's right up my alley. Yeah. The best All kind. Right. <laughs> um, next up, we got Robert, uh, a.k.a. Big Cat. Dude, uh, we go way back, you and I, Robert. Uh, we shared probably, I think what started your and I, f- our, our, our friendship, was like our, our mutual love of pro wrestling, which then oh, kind of sure. um, grew into horror as well. But, man... Uh, as, as long as I've known you, dude, you loved horror. Oh, yeah. I, what, um, uh, you, what, did, what did you start with growing up? My, uh, my what's kind of similar to Corey is uh, my mom literally let me rent anything I wanted from either videos and Crowley or McLeod's. <laughs> like, either, either place we went to, like, I would go straight to the horror section and find something like, I would just find a cover of a movie that intrigued me. And then, you know, I was, you know, I would read the back and they really didn't matter, but if it had a cool monster on it or just something that looked awesome, I would rent it. But like literally like before then, my first memory of any movie is from the original Halloween. I remember at my grandparents' house, I couldn't have been like older than three or four years old and just like seeing Michael Myers and, you know, Holy it shit. Scared the shit out of me because I was, you know, <laughs> obviously I'm three or four years old. But, you know, I'm sure people will learn, like, that's what I'm obsessed with now is Michael Myers and Halloween. And then in uh, 80, 1989, uh, six going on seven years old, my cousin took me to go see A Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Child in the theater. Oh, hell yeah. And I was fucked for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> like my my mom was so mad at my cousin for taking me to that because like it was literally nightmares every night and like waking up and screaming and and your mom's a sweetheart might I add um to make her mad um probably takes a lot <laughs> yeah oh yeah well you, you do something stupid to me yeah you're gonna hear about it right <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah it started with Halloween then the Nightmare on Elm Street and then like of course from then it was like I said, she let me rent whatever I want. So I'm like, you know, I'm at videos and I'm over in the horror section by myself and I'm looking at Frankenhooker and I'm just pressing <laughs> Dude, the box. I was just 
I was thinking. I was yeah. trying to think in my mind. What was I was trying to think. One a day. One a day. Yeah. And it would, you just, I, just, I would just keep pressing it and laughing. Oh God! I, say, I never saw the movie though. I never rent. I rent, never rented the movie. I never saw it. My mom would never but, um, let me rent it. I would ask her every no. time. No, never. But I remember nipples, one. Wasn't it? it was probably the nipples that were poking out. That are probably so. Like, yeah. Never. And the fact that it was called <laughs> fucking Frankenocher. <laughs> oh but, man! But like, I remember. I remember one that really got me. That that scared me really bad when I was younger because I was. I don't know, eight, nine years old, and we go down to McLeod's, and I'm like, what is this? And, I, and it's Rawhead Rex. I don't know if you guys have seen this. <laughs> I've but like, never seen this movie. It scared the shit out of me. And, like, to this day, I think, like, it's, like, out of print on DVD or something. It's hard to find, or it's really expensive if you do. So, like, I've watched it on YouTube one time since then, like, as an adult. But uh, that's, a, that's a good one we should talk about sometime. But, yeah, like... And, you know, since, you know, getting older, like I, you know, really got into horror movies, you know, like you said, I have a big collection. I go to horror cons every year. I mean, I'm fully sleeved from my, you know, my hands up to my shoulders and all horror movie stuff. And that's just kind of been like basically my life since I was a little kid, you know, and you have running movies like I said, with my mom and. I think it's fair to say you've got the um, the biggest collection of just horror uh, memorabilia of all of the bloodsucking geeks. Um, But what is your most prized possession? Like, what's the one thing if your house was burning down, uh, Robert, and you had to save one thing from your horror collection? Like, what would it be? Uh, My Halloween poster that I have signed by multiple cast members. Obviously, I don't have Donald Pleasance on it or Deborah Hill, but I've got John Carpenter on it. I have not got Jimmy Lee Curtis yet, but I have Nick Castle, who plays the shape, and, like, Charles Cyphers, who's the sheriff, you know, and Nancy Loomis and PJ Souls. You know, I have a bunch of cast members. That's my favorite movie of all time. That would probably be the one thing I would grab. I have a lot of masks and stuff, but that can be replaced, you know, like, Mm -hmm. get someone else to make one of those. But it's not that easy, you know, to, you know, it takes years to, you know, try to go to these cons and get these people to sign this stuff, you know, and John Carpenter was not easy to get, but um, it was probably one of my favorite ones to get. You also, I should say, you got one of the most fucking badass pictures with John Carpenter that I've ever seen oh, any yeah. fan take. Uh, it's, it, I don't even know, like, how can you talk about that? Uh, because that is such a cool fucking photo, dude. Well, it was... Um, I guess was it three years ago, three or four years ago, he was doing a tour where he was just doing like the scores that he's done for his movies. And, uh, his son is actually in the, in the band with him, but he would perform, you know, just different scores. Like I said, from his flicks from over the years and the background, he'd be showing clips from whatever movie it was. So I was like, I have to go see this. So mm-hmm. like the day the tickets went on sale, I go look and there's, of course there's a VIP and it's like two fifty. You get premium seating, and you get to meet John Carpenter, and he'll sign two things before the show. Wow. And so I was like, fuck yes, 250 <laughs> take it. So, like, me, like, all I had at the time, like, I had um, I had my Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 posters. I had them signed. And then they gave us, I think, was a, I think it's an 11 by 17 or 18 by 24 They Live poster that he had already signed that oh, came wow. with the package. Yeah, so, like, I got three things signed by him and like 
you know, the dude's like 75 years old. So, you know, he, he has, you know, no fucks to give anymore. He kind of just like, <laughs> would sign your shit and just let it roll up. Yeah. You know, so like my Halloween, my Halloween poster got a little smudge on his autograph and I almost did a backflip. I was freaking out. But then like when, when it came to take the picture and I was like, do you mind if I stand behind you? He's like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. So like, <laughs> I don't I just, care. I, yeah. I just went behind him and kind of did the pose. Like he's, he's doing that pose similar on one of the uh, tour shirts that they were selling at the event. So like, I was like, Oh, I'll just put my hands out like that and stand behind them. And it turned out to be like super, like, you know, probably my favorite picture of any yeah, like celebrity I've ever met. It's, it's and, one yeah, of my I have favorite a, photos I've ever seen with a sub celebrity. No joke. Like it's fucking badass. Yeah, it just turned out. Yeah. It turned out super, super good. If, if you had only yeah. gotten that one photo alone, that would have probably been worth all of it. And you that, got nothing. that, yeah, that that photo and being able to actually see the show, like mm-hmm. and like experience, you know, all those, all the music that he had done over the years, like it was like literally he would start up something, you know, like something that he had done, like the music, and you'd get goosebumps, oh. you know, you're like shit, you're like, you know, it takes you back, like, and the stuff starts playing in the background. It was so fucking cool. Damn. I would pay two fifty again to go see him, no doubt. That is so cool, dude. That is so cool. So yeah, Robert, man. Uh, you keep that shit up, man. That that's super super awesome. Uh, hopefully I, I yeah. can uh we can finally meet up at one of these horror conventions here on the East Coast one of these days. Yeah, we, we almost did a couple of years ago. We missed each other a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. it'll happen. It'll yeah, happen. that was that was that was a that was actually a pretty good con too. I ended up uh getting PJ Souls there on something. Actually, ended up meeting Val Kilmer at that one. Oh shit! I did. That's awesome. Yeah. Mad yeah. Marketing. Yeah. And I, I met a couple other people too, but yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool con. It was different because I'm used to all the ones down here in Texas, you know, and that one was set up a little bit different than ones I've been to, but it was still, it was awesome. Nice. Very, very cool. Um, sweet. Uh, and next up we have Cody, uh, who is the only one of the blood sucking geeks who's actually currently working in film. He has actually, you know, started that shit up. Dude, so you've taken your love of horror in addition to other, uh, you know, film uh, genres, and you have now working full-time in movies. Dude, that is super badass. Man, thank you so much. Yeah, this is me, Cody with an I. I, uh, <laughs> man, you know, I, you know, you got to spell it for He's me. He's introduced himself this way up. for decades, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, man, I'm not, like, uh, you know, my love of horror sort of starts at, at a young age. My mom, you know, like she got us a Nintendo. We had the Friday the Thirteenth video game. I love, yeah. I love Nightmare. I love Friday the Thirteenth. That was those were like my shits when I was a kid. But they terrified the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, dude, to the point where like, even when I'm playing the video game, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, Jason comes out. It's oh, like, dude, I'm telling you, I would just throw the controller at my mom because I just couldn't <laughs> face Jason. I just couldn't do it. Same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. Like when I played Nightmare on Elm Street, the video game, like the, the movie scared me so much that the game would like get me like psychologically. And Chris would have to like literally like, like just keep progressing for me, like just carrying me through the whole game. I, I literally have never got a legitimate like win in that game because Chris would just carry me, you know, throughout the, the ages. Yeah, Cody would come over and spend, like, the weekend at my house, and we'd go to one of the the video rental stores. I don't know if it was videos. There was, like, because we had, like, what, satellite video? 
We had videos. Um, <laughs> JR's video. JR's. Um, yeah. Video place, which was. Um, well, to, <laughs> video place is Not like a our, our legendary. Like, I, I worked there for over a year. At video place? Really? At video place after we graduated. I started two days after we graduated and I worked there for a year. Oh, shit. So, Dude, was, that's wild. For those With listening, Andy Kelly. Like, we had a friend who worked at Video Place in high school, and he just started hanging out with us. I think, I think he was a grade above us, like when we were like maybe like sophomores or something. Um, but no one knew his real name. We just called him Video Place. <laughs> video Place was his name, but he worked at Win Dixie before he worked at Video Place. Oh man! And so we just called him Video Video Place. Or, you know, like, he would just like show up randomly at places. He was great. Dude, one time he showed up at your house at a pay-per-view wrestling event, <laughs> like, and he was late, and he stripped all his clothes off except for his underwear, and he was like, I got robbed! And we were all like, what the hell? He like, what is door, happening? He was, like, laying, like, uh, like... <laughs> fetal position. Yeah, in a fetal position on the, like, on the porch. And he was like, ah, someone hit me! And I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and, and he just, like, played it off like he was, like, trying to play a prank on us, and we're just trying to watch, like... A WW a WCW like pay per view event. Like, oh, my like God, Road Wild '97 or something. Yeah, dude. But <laughs> no drugs involved. None, no, none not. whatsoever. Like that's so funny. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, dude. So like growing up, you know, like I I just stayed away from horror because it would just got to me. You know, like Hellraiser. Uh, um, you know, like Michael Myers, like all that stuff. Like just really, it got me. So I'm not really a gore hound or like a, like a. That kind of guy, I'm more of a suspense, like porn type of guy. Like, you know, I like the subjective shit. <laughs> I like shit. The porn. I like no, no, no. I, look, let me, let me. Uh, I'm a suspense porn lover. Like, I love a movie that gives you that, like, oh, it's something's gonna happen. You know, like, and it doesn't or it does. It's like, you know, it's very fulfilling. Like, but more so than the gore. But, but yeah. So like my, you know, now in my career, I'm a sound mixer. I work on independent films. So I've worked on some of the worst horror movies that have ever been created. <laughs> But I've also worked on some really good ones that no one will ever see, but maybe we can explore those here and oh, some yeah. other people might see those. And, dude, I'm telling you, there's one that I'm telling – if people watch this, they'll be like, this is like a zombie genre kind of like flipping movie. But anyway, I, I won't go on that. But, the, you know, so the thing is, so I love like – I love working on a good horror because we all realize it's make-believe. So we have fun with like the sort of the tone and the style and and uh, and everyone's like preferences are different. So getting to see the way that like – things are made is like, oh man, it gives me so much more of an appreciation for the movies that I wouldn't watch or didn't like as much when I was a kid because I was too turned off by like the, oh, it's going to scare the crap out of me, you know? But. That's really interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of that was like, it's, it's probably not too, not too different than what it was like when on the set of a lot of our favorite horror movies back then. They probably, it was probably like super fun and super chill, but they're just like doing all this crazy shit to try to make it as shocking and as like crazy as possible, uh, you know, to like the, the final, you know, finished version, uh, would be ultimately to like to scare people as much as possible. But on the set, it was probably super chill and, and, and really fun. And like, once you realize that the people in the movie are regular people, it kind of like changes your dynamic. I was, I was stage managing a comic con in, uh, in Seattle and my two main talent were Robert England and Michael Rooker. So, oh, damn. So Robert England comes awesome in, guys, both of them. 
dude, I see, I see Freddy Krueger in the flesh, and my body, I stopped, I froze dead in my tracks. I was just like, <laughs> oh, 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 and I was. I've like, seen New Nightmare. I know dude, that dog, it's never safe when Robert. Seriously, seriously. So I was like, fuck. So I go over there and I meet him, and I'm like, I'm like almost physically shaking because I'm like also frightened. And also just like starstruck at the same time. And then he has got an English accent and he's also super gay. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying it's just a fact. And and when I met him and like experienced this man, I was like, the whole, all the movies are changed for me now. When I watch Freddy Krueger, it's like he's like doing the most theatrical version of like a bad guy that I've ever seen scene and it's like changed the dynamic of it when i met the guy in person and it also like changed the psych the psychology for me where it didn't scare me anymore now it's like this comical like roller coaster that i love to go on when i'm like oh my god how much fun did he have like terrorizing these kids and you know afterwards he was probably like the sweetest dude ever on set you know like so like how could people do that but so yeah so it was like it was like a life-affirming event to like meet him in the flesh and then realized that he wasn't the man that, like, oh, he's going to get into my dreams. That haunted he, your, your your every being, whether you were awake or, or asleep? Dude, I mean, <laughs> seriously, like, when he crushes the, the, ki- the kid in the roach trap, like, I've had, like, nightmares about that in the school bus <laughs> scenes and everything. So he also the told the greatest scene. story ever about... Uh, like in the mid 2000s, there was like Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, and he was on board. And Sam Raimi had more money than God, and it was going to happen. And it was like protecting the world from sequels was like the tagline. But New Line was like not, not willing to let Jason like go down in a fight against in that like in that realm, and so it never happened. But that's a movie I think that he regrets. And when he told the story, I could tell it was like deeply personal, and he was super excited to like tell the, the audience this. It was a it was for a TwitchCon or like one of those. I'll have to find the I'll find the link to the actual uh, interviews and stuff. But anyway, so that was like you know once you like realize they're real people and you see like how practical effects are done, it got it like I, I want to watch I want to watch all the old classics now. And I'm really glad for this opportunity. That's awesome, man. I think you're going to bring like a really neat kind of perspective on on the podcast because you're you make movies and and you're going to, you know, you have a lot of like experience and knowledge of that movie making, you know, uh, process that we have no idea about. And so, dude, I think it's, it's going to be super fucking awesome to have you you on with us. Uh, it's going to be really cool. Hell yeah. Um, so for myself, man, like. I, I grew up like I had uh, like an older brother, but I also hung out with my cousins a lot uh, who are all a lot of them are older than me, too. So I was, you know, like, you know, I I, I experienced horror really early on in my life. Um, I remember, you know, like watching um, Poltergeist when I was super young and it fucked me up really bad. Um, still to this day, the Quaker in Poltergeist 2 is one of my, the, the scariest fucking <laughs> horror people in my, in ever. Like I, I, I was fucking, every time I saw him, dude, I'd freak out. Just that scene of him walking down the street as it's like sunny outside, but it's raining and he's just singing that goddamn song. It like chilled me to my core and I, I think still to this day, like old people are the scariest fucking things ever. Like I can deal with anything else, but like creepy ass old people, man, they, they still get me. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they scare the shit out of me. Um, 
But uh, I, I just grew up watching horror when I was, like, really, really young. It just was a, a normal thing. You know, like my – kind of like what you guys, like your parents let you watch this stuff. Like, back in the 80s, it just didn't seem like parents cared as much. I don't know if they were just too busy, like, smoking weed or what. But uh, we just <laughs> – they, they didn't really monitor what we were watching a whole lot. Uh, so I got to see a lot of, like, the great horror stuff at a very young age. And it just oh, kind of yeah. shaped my um, – um, I guess my preferences for for horror going forward and stuff, and uh, you know, like we each we all became friends, and and like uh, Corey, uh, like you said earlier, like we would just we kind of had a an unofficial horror movie club of sorts. In, in we high did, school. we did, we had like a film watching club. But we didn't realize it at the time because you you guys indoctrinated me into like horror film. You and Corey and your like love for that shit. I mean, we I like remember specifically. Like blood sucking geeks or blood sucking freaks, excuse me. You know Halloween. You know night, like different movies. Y'all like screening these films. You know, like with you guys. So that's essentially what we were doing. We didn't know it at the time. You know, we just were like, hey, let's go up to Suncoast um, at Hewlin Mall, and we're just gonna go. You know, find some weird ass horror movies, uh, and we're just gonna go home and 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 watch them, and then we just kind of like talk about it and stuff. And it was really cool. We had no idea what we were doing. It was just it was fun for us. Uh, and and we just it it was awesome, man. It was some of the my favorite memories uh, watching some of those crazy ass movies with you guys. Um, and <laughs> there's so many good stories. I cannot wait as we continue down our path and all these stuff. Like every episode. Um, of the Bloodsucking Geeks podcast. We're going to start off with some sort of like just ridiculous story uh, from our youth, uh, and we've got plenty of them. There's, I, I, I can't imagine we're going to run out uh, anytime soon, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but now that we kind of got the introductions uh, out of the way, let's get into why we're here today, and that's to talk about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, before we get into each of our kind of personal thoughts on on this movie, I, I do want to run down a little bit of the movie details. And uh, Corey, I'm going to run through this. I'm sure you have a ton of notes as well. So anything that I miss, please feel free to uh, fill fill in the gaps as as I finish this up. So um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was released uh, domestically on August 22nd, 1986. It was uh, directed by Toby Hooper. Who also uh, directed the Poltergeist? Uh, oh, Poltergeist, which, which um, he didn't end up getting uh, yeah. the, the the directing billing on that, like after when it when it went in theaters, right? I think a lot of people uh, assume that Spielberg did that one because I think it's what they ended up having, right? I I always thought Toby Hooper had done it, but. Uh... I could be wrong. I didn't. I didn't uh, actually read about Poltergeist. He's he's credited, much. but Steven Spielberg's the producer. He wrote it and produced it. I think. I think what it is. Okay. A lot of people think it was a Spielberg movie, um, which right. Toby Hooper actually did. He just didn't get a lot of the credit for it. I think a lot of it Truth. is um, he just didn't have a, a great reputation in in kind of Hollywood, uh, and so he he kind of. He kind of got shit on uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but so Toby Hooper directed this one. Uh, Canon uh, was the production company behind it. It had a $4.7 million budget uh, and uh, raked in about $8 million at the box office. So uh, a fairly uh, you know humble return, but it was profitable. Uh, almost double 
the uh, the budget, which is not bad. Uh, it had a running time, uh, at least the theatrical version, was 101 minutes. Uh, and some of the, uh, the notable actors, we had Dennis Hopper, who was uh, known as Lefty in this one. Uh, from what I read, he said that this was the worst movie he was in <laughs> up until the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so then we also have uh, Caroline Williams, who was Stretch, uh, Jim Seedow as Cook. Uh, of course, we have Bill Mosley as Chop Top and Bill Johnson yeah. as uh, Leatherface. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, um, I'm just going to have a, a quick summation that I'll read real quick, and then I'll turn it over to Corey for some more uh, trivia. Uh, so basically, radio DJ Vanita Stretch Brox, I guess it says here, Brox. Um, open request night is plagued by the annoying phone pranking of two road-tripping party-hard hoodlums. But things take a disturbing turn when the hoodlums meet their demise at the hands of the familiar chainsaw-wielding maniacs. With the entire gruesome ordeal recorded on tape, Stretch seeks out the help of a former Texas marshal who's on a personal quest of vengeance against the family of cannibals. While at first he turns her down, he eventually decides to use her tape to his advantage, asking her to air it during her request block, effectively baiting the cannibals to the radio station where he'll personally deal with them. So, Corey, what else do you got for us on the uh, the trivia facts area? Well, um, there's so much stuff on this, man. I mean, anything that Toby Hooper does, you can, especially with the chainsaw, um, I mean, the fact that the way he got Dennis Hopper to agree to do this movie, he just randomly ran into him in a uh, restaurant in Austin. And was just like, hey, you want to do this movie? And uh, Hopper was like, well, let me think about it. And literally, that's how you got Dennis Hopper, because he had just come off making Blue Velvet at this time. This was like around the same time as Hoosier. So, you know, he's a pretty well-known actor, even from what he had done in the past. And getting him to do... Uh, a cheesy B movie like this uh, was quite the get, I would think, because, you know, the first one that was about as low budget and small as you could get, because even the van in that was one of the equipment vans they used to move everything around. So uh, this one um, being released by uh, Canon, uh, Menachem Golan and um, God, Golan Globus, I forget the first name. But uh, they did a bunch of those uh, great B-movies in the 80s, a bunch of Chuck Norris movies, uh, Bloodsport with Van Damme. Hell so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they were really uh, stepping up with the budget this time, and uh, Toby Hooper had a uh, different experience making this. Uh, what I think the only reason the movie that? made $8 million was because of Dennis Hopper, because he was <laughs> the, only, the only name in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was the only person you ever you, you ever really heard of in the movie. Because at this time, I mean, Bill Mosley, had had he really done anything? No, he he got his role in this from a short film called The Chainsaw Manicure, and that's how he got his yeah. audition, I believe. Interesting. And, yeah, to- I think Toby Hooper saw that, and he was just like, oh, that's cool. He's like, if I ever do a sequel, I'll call you. And he kept his word and called him. That's and badass. He, you know, put him as a, a main role in the film. That's pretty awesome. And I think the only returning character from the original one is uh, Jim Seedow, right? 
I right, guess. as the cook. Or, well, I guess technically the, the, the grandfather of the father, which <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess he was technically in the first one, but yeah, the, the cook. Um, can, I, can I take a quick aside? Is it, are we trying to say that since they're cannibals that they live forever? Because that, is that how Grandma and Grandpa lived for so long, or, or well, what was that? So in, uh, in the movie, uh, Drayton... Uh, Sawyer, the cook, he says that Grandpa's 137 years old due to his strict liquid diet. So, uh, <laughs> apparently, this does help uh, prolong their uh, living, but as we see at the end, up in Chainsaw Heaven, Grandma, you know, the eggs have gone sour, and uh, <laughs> things aren't looking too good for her, but she still has got her chainsaw up there. Um, yeah, she's so. still got great tits, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, I would have paused that back in the day. I would have paused that for sure back in the day. Oh, yeah. Fat material right there. Right there. <laughs> um, so, no, that's 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 awesome stuff. Do you have anything else for us before we kind of jump into uh, to, to the movie itself and kind of work our way through that? No, no. Uh, I think we'll just, you know, talk about things as they come up. Uh, one thing I did notice that uh, I totally forgot about, my favorite movie of all time is The Burbs. And, oh, uh, the Clopex with yeah. poppers. Oh, yeah. And there's, um, in that movie, before Tom Hanks is going to sleep one night, he's going through the channels so he can only find horror movies, and one of them is the scene uh, in the radio station where Stretch is locked in the room and Leatherface comes through the wall. So that made me happy to see uh, that little bit from the burbs in there. I love that homage. Also, oh. Corey, you sh- you showed me that movie of uh, uh, the first, the, uh, the Burbs, and I, <laughs> it still to this day gives me like it's hilarious, but it's also scary as fuck. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love the Burbs. Um, when I, I guess we should before we jump into like you know kind of going through the movie, uh, when was everyone's like first time watching this? Watch it, watching this movie. Is this this certainly isn't uh, everyone's like first time viewing, right? For me, it, it was my first time because I just never it just never came on for mm-hmm. me, and so like seeing it, I was I, I mean I, I was like discovering an entire genre of horror, but where it's I think where it started, or like you know an entire subgenre of B movies were spawned off of this formula, you know like and I was just like wow I didn't I did not realize that you know and and then in part of the uh, it, it also imparting some of the trivium that I that that I was look, was looking at is that the director wanted to make like a dark comedy, and not mm-hmm, didn't yeah. really want to make a horror film. And the the studio was like not really excited about his first cut. They cut like twenty minutes off of it, I think. And so yeah. that I couldn't imagine what's in that like hour and forty one minute like uncut version. Well, like one of the things is Toby Hooper really like considers the original one to be. It has lots of comedy elements in it, like, uh, look what your brother's done to the door, shit like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really, really dark and buried in with all the, uh, you know, hacking and slashing, which actually there's really not too much on camera. Yeah, but, uh, yeah and the original one was nothing. Yeah, so this one, uh, he really wanted to, you know, put that comedy more at the forefront and make Dude. just a really dark black humor movie which i think he did and the he amount of one-liners and quotes of as well oh man the amount of one-liners and quotes in this movie i, I could like I've, i could like literally fill out a whole personality just from this movie and people would be like <laughs> what is wrong with you like lick my plate you dog dick i mean come on come on that's gold. Is a, 
awesome. Uh, Dude, if you said that to someone, like, in a, in a, like, a situation, they would stop in their tracks and be like, now, they'd start laughing, you know, like, they wouldn't, like, yeah. and, and as psycho as he is in that movie, he's, like, the physical embodiment of, like, an internet troll before there was the internet, you know, like, the way he, like, mm-hmm. is killing and, like, like attacking and stuff, I, I love that character, like, Chop Top is, like, so horror good. movie gold, and I, I, I'm, like, he's honestly kind of... I'm kind of like mad at myself and regret that I didn't discover him until now, you know? <laughs> no, there's definitely so many good quotes. I, when I went through, I found myself writing down quote after quote after quote, and uh, we'll get to them all, but yeah, it's an endlessly quotable movie. Uh, Robert, when was your first time you remember watching this? Did you rent this at McLeod's back in the day? Uh, either McLeod's or videos, yeah, definitely. I was probably... I don't, Around ten years old, I would say. Maybe oh a little younger, actually. I can't imagine. No, I saw ten-year-old kids. I saw everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same here. Just hearing her scream no like sixty-five times at that age. How? How did you do that? <laughs> I've heard how many times I screamed no. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was um like what I really remembered because like I've, this is probably I've seen the movie probably less than ten times in my life or so. And it's been probably, I don't know, five-plus years since I've watched it all the way through. And, like, but the one thing that stuck with me when I was a kid that I remember going into watching every viewing is the at the very beginning of the movie on the bridge when he cuts the guy's head off. And that's the thing that stuck in my mind, you know, like, that I always remembered, you know, that in whatever Dennis Hopper says, he's like something about, yeah, they got crazy enough to saw his own head off. Like that, that always stuck in my head and it's head kind of like almost sliding off or whatever. And there yeah. was a lot of that that got, that got cut. Like there was more like effects, like the way they cut it made it kind of comedic, you know, mm-hmm. where it just shows the hands in the air and like from behind. But like, like there was more to that, that they cut out like from the front view where you could see like his head coming off and like blood pouring down his face. Like, you know, I was watching an interview with Tom Savini who was talking about it. And it sounded more, more gruesome than it, you know, the way it looked with like these hands in the air or whatever. I wonder. But yeah, I saw if, this if, when I was like, I saw like, this when I was like ten. That's awesome. I wonder if Tom Savini got really upset that uh, like a lot of his shit got cut like that just to be able to get that R rating or you know whatever they were going for, or did he um, take some pride in that? You were like, you know, like I made this shit so realistic and so good. That the censors like they couldn't stand, you know, some of this stuff because it was so realistic. No, he he said he did like um, the same the same thing I was watching. He said that shit did used to get to him like he would be pissed off mm-hmm. until he directed um, his own like feature until he did Night of the Living Dead in 1990. I guess I think that was his the remake. You know, his yeah, and he's like you know then he kind of saw well you know this is my movie. Now understand what the director is doing. This is their show, not ours. We're just do, we're working for them, mm-hmm. so they're putting together what they want out of it. So he he said he kind of pissed them off before then, but once he did his own movie, he's like, all right. He's like, now I, I you know I, I get it now. Yep, I think that I think that bridge scene is like that. Certainly, I, I watched this movie a long, long time ago, um, and this is the first time I'd seen it in decades. Um, but that bridge scene is just burned into my memory. You know, like that's the one thing that I remember as a kid watching this. I can't even, I, I, there's, I, I don't know when I watched this the first time. Um, but it was like 
before my teenage years for sure. But I just remember that scene on the bridge, and I was so fucking scared. And I just thought that was so scary. I just giant, like, chainsaw-wielding maniac with this weird, like, dead body attached to him. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. It was just so maniacal and fucking dark. Uh, but at the same time, like, these asshole kids kind of deserved it. They're dickheads. Oh, yeah. They love the first kill deserve. for that. I love the first kill because <laughs> yeah. of the way that it happens. Like, just it, it's it's honestly it's terrifying because you're like, all they gotta do is stop, but they're just like, ah! like yeah. they're so terrified, they're just like locked into it. But dude, the dead body effect, like I was like, is that an actor? Is there a person in there? That's fu- that's creepy, dude. Like, oh man, but the head sliding off for sure, like, is ingrained in my memory as like that's really well done. Cause also because I've been watching a show where the main character kills people, cuts his head off, or cuts everyone's tops of their heads off. So that was, like, really well done for 86. I mean, dude, seriously. He needs the master. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that, you know, the hol- everything just dates it so much as the 80s. The cell phone with the big cord, the holographic sunglasses, and just, I mean, Jesus Christ. Talk these kids are in high school, driving down the road, drinking shiner, shooing up signs. Going to the Red River shootout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, they're Texas fans. So, personally, I'm glad that they ate it because uh, screw those guys. <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure how obvious this was, um, but the body that Leatherface has in front of him, that's the hitchhiker from the original movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, That's throughout Nubbins. the whole movie, Nubbins is the hitchhiker, and Chop Top is his twin brother who was away in Nubbins, Vietnam yeah. during the first movie. Yep. Damn. There's yep. a lot right. of going I was going to bring crazy. that up when we got to it, yeah. I, well, never, I never knew that until though. I started reading about the movie. I never knew that they were twin brothers. Yeah, it's not, like, real obvious, but he has the same right. birthmark, it's just on the other side of his face. So how do we rate that first kill, the diagonal decapitation? Is that where we're going to dro- drop some chainsaws, or is it just for the overall film? Or do we? is it not like a point-by-point point thing? I say we save it for the end for the overall oh. film. Because oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. There's some, sure. We're probably going to do some movies where there's so many kills that this would be a five-hour-long podcast. <laughs> oh, I was just talking about yeah. first kills, because that's kind of cool. Like, you know, like that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's oh, the yeah. first kill? I was like, really? I was like, you know, the... It's, like, it's definitely it, one of the best kills of the movie. Like, oh, what's <laughs> interesting because, like, I don't know if like you'd have arterial bleeding in your head like that. <laughs> like, there's like three like giant like squirts like coming up, which I just it that was amazing. Like, I that that first one was great. Well, the just and they joke about it on the commentaries I watched just the length of that bridge because oh, that bridge that, has to be miles long as long as they're driving and apparently you know they did on two separate bridges but after uh, the car crashes and you see in the daylight it's just a short little bridge but yeah. they were driving on it for a good 90 seconds that's your standard overpass in texas which is like <laughs> maybe 100 yeah. feet or so like it is not long at all but it's a good two miles or so that they drive on this this bridge and uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was hilarious Oh, yeah, and the entire and, time I'm screaming, just break. Like, <laughs> stop, just, just slow down, and you, you'll be fine. Well, then, also, um, fuck, uh, the, uh, their license plate, did y'all notice that? Oh. What? <laughs> fuck you. 
F-A-H-Q. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's great. That's such a nice little touch. And I didn't notice that until I started rewatching it today. And I, I did put that on my notes. But that just goes, like, it's totally a Rick the Prick type of thing to do. That I, oh, yeah. Uh, like, a, like a preppy a-hole, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I think we all knew people like this back in high school and even past that. But, uh, no, that's as over-the-top as they are. There definitely are people like that in Texas. They're just annoying, obnoxious, and won't hang up the phone. So we should, um, before we like, kind of jump into the rest of the film. Let's set the stage. Like, what, Corey? Can you tell us, like, why, okay, we're following these two, uh, like, I guess, college age kids. Uh, they're high school they're, kids. They're high school kids. Where are they going? What are they doing? Why are they on the road? So we got these two guys from high school because uh, th- when they're on the radio to stretch, they're giving shouts out to the whatever high school it is. I forgot, and they're going to Texas OU weekend for. Uh, Anyone not from Texas, that's a huge thing uh, that happens in Dallas every year. Um, Judging from where they are up in North Texas by the border, um, they're going uh, down to Dallas to see it. Um, And they call into this radio station just to be obnoxious assholes, and uh, it goes from there. K. Okla. I think is the the, the the call sign yeah. or whatever for the uh, the thing. And what's crazy is it's it's um it's set in Burke Burnett, which I remember as I was watching it, I was messaging you guys. It's like, where is this place at? I rem- this why is this so familiar to me? And Burke Burnett is a town like very close to Wichita Falls. I was stationed there in the Air Force, and so I had mm-hmm. no idea that um that this particular like part of the movie was set there. I don't know where it was actually filmed though. It was all filmed in Austin. Filmed in and around right? Austin, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the uh, theme park, the Texas Battleground Land, uh, that was uh, at this Matterhorn theme park that was a real one uh, about 30 miles outside of Austin. It apparently is now a trailer park. <laughs> of course, of course it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you, you're basically you've got Rick the Prick and the other guy. I can't remember his name. Um, but they're driving down, and he just has like a revolver. <laughs> he just leans out and just shooting these signs like for no reason. They they, they seem completely maniacal. He's got those weird holographic glasses that you'd get in yeah. at like like gas stations back in the nineties or the eighties. Yeah, not prescriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally not prescription glasses. Uh, did not protect your eyes from UV rays in the least bit. Um, but uh, they just seem like really crazy. Um, and they're 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 driving down the road. They call in to the radio station. They're just being basically douchebags. And what was weird is we were talking about this before the actual podcast. Is they're calling in, but they don't hang up the phone. And so like they're tying up a line on the radio so no other people could call in because back in the day, if you called someone on the phone on a landline phone and they hang up, but you stay on the phone. Like it doesn't terminate the call. Like you're basically, <laughs> no one else can call into that phone until you hang up, which is so weird that it just seems like who designed this shit. Um, and so they're just being a holes, basically, just like tying up the line. They eventually, uh, I guess, hang up, but then they decide they see this uh, truck coming towards them on this, like you know, like this little country road and they decide to play uh chicken with it and they win i guess uh the truck runs off the road they laughing uh and just like think it's hilarious 
Um, and then later in the evening, they call back uh, and are basically just like talking trash and everything. And then they uh, they're driving and they they get to the bridge, which is where the the truck. I don't know how they made up the time. Don't don't think too hard about <laughs> okay, this. Okay, got it. Oh. Won't think too hard, <laughs> but it's there. The truck is there. They're waiting for them, and uh, and as they get close, they <laughs> slow down, and the truck like kind of drives in the way of them it and goes, makes them stop. It but, goes in reverse so fast. Yeah, but what, like I thought, Rick Rick the Prick's like reaction was so funny because literally, like they're spending the entire day just causing all sorts of mayhem, like shooting live rounds. You he asked if the, the driver of the truck is crazy. Yeah! Are you crazy? What are you doing? You crazy? And <laughs> one, of the great, one of the great lines of the movie is when they block his car, yells at the truck, back up, you pig fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. He backs up. He listens to him. But he starts, like, driving, like, side by side as they're going in reverse. Who And the driver, mind you, is an impeccable driver. Because to be able to do that at that high rate of speed is is a i don't know who did it but he i've was, thought about that the process on that the process trailer on that it was really like difficult like, like a difficult process to do like that kind of filming and they were also shooting on 35 millimeter film so it wasn't like a little digital camera they had like a full-on camera rig and they were doing that whole reverse thing on that bridge so it's, i assume like did they have the impressive. camera mounted to the the car or were they in the back seat like so, how did that work so, so what they do in that type of situation, everything is on a flatbed pickup or like a big truck yeah. and it's moving along with it. So you see the truck in the other car, but they're not actually driving in the scenes that they're close up, that they're doing like the cutting and stuff. Then they'll do the second wide shot where they like have a vehicle that's filming them like in a wider shot, the two, the two vehicles. And I, I still don't even know how they did that with the chainsaw gag. So they kept both cars you know perfectly in line like that stuff is like super technical for a stunt team to do and uh it was yeah it was dude it was it was like i mean i was like super impressed i was just like what how like <laughs> well, in, in that scene in that scene at some point um the guy who's playing leatherface which wasn't bill johnson for most of the film it was bob <laughs> he, he, he was the stunt guy he ended up breaking his wrist in that scene Oh, and really? Wow. They, yeah, he broke his wrist, and, um, you know, he, it was going to just bother him or whatever, so, like, he had to end up going to get it checked out, found out it was broken, and they're like, well, we got to cast it, and he was just like, no, I can't do that, I have to work. He's like, just wrap it up, and he would unwrap it and do scenes from the movie and then go ice it in between takes. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Yeah, he, he, he did about 75% of the movie as Leatherface. Bill Johnson just did, like, the close-up stuff. Like when you can see his face yep. and like his eyes and all that stuff. That's and, Bill Johnson, but and most of the gyrating, no and most of the yeah, most of that whole uh, like like humping the, the the chainsaw scene. We'll get to it's it. It's a shimmy. Sure, but... It's a shimmy. No, it's a chainsaw shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, apparently, like Bill Johnson was so anti-violence and everything. He never wanted to do any of those scenes, and also just physically he couldn't. But then he started realizing, yeah. like, if he didn't do you know, get involved in some of the violent scenes, he wasn't going to be in the movie at all. Yeah. When you sign up for a movie called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, 
Did you not watch the original one? <laughs> yeah, like, dude, <laughs> the wild thing is, the wild thing is, is that stunt guys are really hard, dude. They're, I mean, not like hard to deal with. They're like hard people. They're like they can take a hit. Like I, I know a stunt guy yeah. who fell off a horse, like got up immediately, got right back on the horse, and like he would. I know for a fact he broke a rib, but he just finished the day like without even like so much as like yeah. bitching about it, dude. And they they really do to try to do stuff safe. So it's crazy. To see that that was the only injury in that whole scene was that someone's wrist got broke, you know, especially right. for. Yeah. So that takes us to the first, uh, the I guess the first kill. But what's I I guess advantageous about this whole part is that the line was still open. So uh, stretch when she's at the radio station, they basically have to record every open line. Uh, I guess it's like an FCC requirement. So she has a recording of the audio of this whole situation that she has. Um, and I love, I love the exterior shot of the actual radio station. It's this, it's, it's this like two story, uh, pretty simple building, but what's next to it, it says gun shop. (laughs) And why throughout the entire film, does no one ever decide just to go downstairs to the gun shop and get a gun? Like what? I love that. I love that kind of red herring where you like put that in your mind, like, oh, she's gonna get the knife or the yeah. gun, and it, she's yeah. gonna win, and then it never There's actually comes to fruition. Building. You know, multiple of them shot like every like imaginable type of, of that you could imagine. It's there, but they they don't do it, which is I I, I don't know. That, I thought that was pretty awesome and, and kind of hilarious. I, I also love the situation with the radio DJ tech, like the audio engineer is LG. trying desperately desperately to unpatch and get this phone call off the air, but he just can't do it somehow. And man, the stuff he's doing to that board, is like, I, I, uh, I feel for him. I, I, I know that pain. I, know I feel that like pain. that's what I would do in that situation. Just plugging stuff in randomly, just hoping it's going to fix something. That's, that's basically what he's, I would do. He's flicking, he's flicking every button, every switch like he's at fucking NASA. Like he's just going crazy. And like, See, here's the best part is when you when you film a scene like that, you you don't normally have that equipment just on hand. So you like usually you source it from the sound guy. So probably the sound guy was like, look, if you do this and you do that, you look you look legit. You know, like he probably got some coaching from the actual sound mixers in some way. I I, I just feel it like because like I do that all the time when we add elements like that into films that I work on. I have to like. I wanted to, I want to keep it authentic, right? But it's like comical, but it's also like so believable the way that he's like switching the board. And one of the things the uh, the exterior of the radio station is just a facade that they built. They uh, oh. they have anything to do, so they uh, built that. And the interior is the old Austin American Statesman newspaper building, and uh, oh. most of it's where they had the printing presses and everything. So they just had this big empty room that they could build uh, the studio set. That's pretty cool. I did, oh, I did not know yeah. that. Dude, I love that. That Well, the first time I realized that was on my first movie. And we went to a studio and we were inside a bedroom filming inside of like a, a room that they built. You know, I'm like, what the hell? How do they build this bedroom inside of this warehouse? And they were like, yeah, we just shoot whatever house we want. And then you, your brain tells you that that's the room they're in. And I swear exactly, I had this. Yeah. I had this like pinhole through the needle like montage 
like moment where my entire like life stretched before me and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and dude, and, and that, that's this, the, the really great thing about this movie, it set the tone for the way you budget a horror film is you want to stay in one location if you don't have a lot of money to go all these extra places. And that's what Chainsaw 2 does very well because they're shooting on 35 millimeter film. They're, they don't, they have Dennis Hopper, so that's probably cost them a lot processing the film is going to cost so they have this one location that they are able to own and like it saves a lot on production so they're able to milk a lot more out of that and do more better effects and you know better gags and better camera work too actually because there was some pretty impressive moments when they're like following the scenes and stuff and they're yeah, because- out in the country too even though they're in austin like a lot of it seems like it's kind of out you know away so it's probably like you probably not have to get a lot of like permits and things like that. A lot of it you probably just go out and like shoot a few scenes and no one's gonna bother you. Yeah, I mean the way this the way this movie was, it put Austin film on the map, so that like no one had really established around the area like, hey, what's going on? Like we're gonna make movies, and so these guys were kind of like treated like not necessarily like royalty, but the whole town was behind them. You know, like people would just come up to set and be like, hey, what are y'all doing? You're filming a movie? How can I help? You know, like, oh, how much does it cost for you to film the movie at my restaurant? You know, like, oh, that's not how it works. (laughs) You don't pay (laughs) us. We pay you. Right. You know, like, so, like, that's... So, like, I think that they did a lot with a little in, on this film, especially for the for the time, you know, for the... Uh, and also, on shooting film just is wild, because they're not guaranteed hundreds of takes. They're guaranteed, like, one or two takes, maybe, you know, like, a few takes per, per scene. So, like, you know, because they're having to process tons of that of of that footage, and it's just it's remarkable that they got what they got on the budget they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so we get that the opening scene with the uh, the weird the the crazy um, head, I guess half decapitation, um, and they they're completely like freaking out. Uh, and then the next day is when we finally see, like, Dennis Hopper's character. And I guess he's, like, a former Texas Ranger that he is, like, hell-bent on, on on trying to find uh, the, the killers because it's basically gone into myth and legend throughout Texas that they're on the, on the loose. It, it, I think it seems like the authorities are just trying to make it seem like they're isolated incidents and there's nothing connected between them. But um, Dennis Hopper's character, you know, he's, like, the one guy that kind of has it all, you know, like in the know and he knows what's really going on. Right. Well, so two of the characters, two of the characters from the original are his, uh, like niece and nephew or something like that. That's a relation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's he's after him. Yeah. Sally, the main character, Marilyn Burns in the first one and Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair are some relation to him, like his nephew and niece. And also like the, uh, opening crawl in the movie, explains like after they found Sally, she tried to tell them where the house was and no one was there. So apparently the Sawyers packed up and had been on the run and the authorities deny it ever happened. And so the Sawyers are kind of bouncing around, laying low, still doing their, uh, chili thing and barbecue stuff. Uh, but you know, still hiding from the police and, you know, benefiting that people don't believe that any of this really happened. I can only imagine because I mean, you're in kind of like, where it's set, anyways, it's kind of like backwoods Texas, where no one really wants to believe like something bad like this could happen in their town. It's like a small town type thing. So I could completely see everyone just trying to turn a blind eye. One of those things where you're hoping it'll just kind of go away if you ignore it type of thing. 
And and that runs from like, you know, you're kind of like mom and pop all the way up to the, like the local law enforcement. But then you get this guy that comes from out of town, a former Texas Ranger. Uh, he's kind of one of those like no nonsense type of guys that just kind of uh, is willing to check any dude that he runs into. Uh, just kind of a, a badass in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the way he deals with the uh, other cop, you know, apparently they know who he is and he has a reputation because um, he pretty much puts them in his place. So he kind of establishes himself as, you know, I'm a badass. I know what's going on and uh, I'm taking care of this. Dude, every time he's on screen, it's sheer intensity. I'm like, <laughs> I'm locked in and I'm like, I don't care. Oh, shit. Like, I'm just watching it like. He's, he's going to snap any second now. He's going to snap. And I don't know if it's like his character or if like it was hot or if like the makeup girl was like messing with him too much or something. You know, like there, there were like there's a lot of factors there, but he's really processing. And I'm just like, oh, dude, like I thought, it, I mean, seriously, I thought Hopper like I would sells that that like uh, badass with like a, a, a you know, a, a scarred past really well. Mm-hmm. Tom well, I mean, was uh, telling a story on this uh the thing I was watching earlier, and he was saying that before the takes, Dennis Hopper would stand there and spin in a circle before the the scene started. And like, so like right when they were ready to, you know, start filming, like he would just be coming out of like a, like a dizzy daze and his eyes would be real big. And he said he would do that before almost every take. That makes so much sense. He's probably on a lot of toes. (laughs) <laughs> you know what though it's weird because like the first scene we see him in where he's at the uh he's he's at the scene of the 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 car crash he seems relatively from a i guess a physical standpoint he seems fine but then we get to the scene where stretch comes to his like hotel because um they basically put out the information where they're like hey if um if anyone knows uh has information about this incident you know like call this number or you know this is where he's at uh, and so then after that scene, we see Stretch at his like hotel room or an apartment, uh, which I think this is also where we get a um, a cameo of Toby Hooper, right? Yep, yep. He's the guy wearing the uh, red hat that throws the can of Dr. Pepper at the people right <laughs> before Stretch goes into the room. Because apparently throughout this entire shoot, all he always had Dr. Pepper and a cigar in his hands. Oh, that's hilarious. Did anyone was anyone else taken aback though when uh, Dennis Hopper opens the door and he just looks like a bag <laughs> of massive assholes? Like he no. just looks like shit. And I'm like, I don't know why he looks so bad. And I guess maybe it's just because he's like just tired. He's been trying to like you know like working tirelessly trying to find this stuff, but he just looks like shit. Well, I think there's well, a part wrong. Where... Well, yeah. that's I love the part when she says. She's met him for like less than five minutes and she's like, oh, she needs his help. But she says he can't do it alone. So it has to it must be the way he looks like she's telling him like, oh, bro, you don't look so good. You know, because like I was just like, like, I just, you know, I laughed so hard about that. I was just like, oh, shit. She just knows, you know. (laughs) Well, I think there's a part of the backstory that I don't think they shot was he spent the night before in just like this bender drinking that uh Dos Gubanos Mezcal with two worms in it. Two worms. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you drink him, and he's still drinking. You see when he's taking a drink, he's using both hands and all shaking and whatnot. So, uh, 
This but, is a man who's not stopped drinking straight tequila all night long. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Well, and also, apparently, when he wasn't shooting scenes, him and Willie Nelson were out playing golf all the time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who knows what substances he had in his body right then? All of them. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you that. All of them. He looks like crap. No, um, I mean, like, in the in the film industry, like, a drug test is, like, everyone puts their drugs on a table and we test them. No, I'm just kidding. It's just, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Oh, man. So she's basically, she comes to his uh, apartment and is like, I've got the tape. I have the audio um, of the incident. I can help you. You need me. And he just kind of like, like, I don't know. He just kind of takes her to the door and like, get out of here with your giant ass purse, which is like, <laughs> you could, like, like a whole family of like, Yeah. Well, yeah, she she has the tape of the uh, attack from the night before, I guess, and uh, is trying to, like, hey, I got your proof right here. People start taking it seriously because the newspaper article may amount to look like this crazy fool, which, guess what? He says, Hopper, he's a fucking crazy fool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and he, like you said, he just kind of d- dismisses her, and I guess she was also there because downstairs we see the Texas-Oklahoma chili cook-off judging going on. Yeah, and we see LG yep. making a goddamn like log house <laughs> out of French fries, like a the French go- fry like a house. Yeah, <laughs> fry house. Who does and that? Now, well, now I think that people outside of Texas think that's something we do in Texas is we build French fry houses and just cover them in gravy and just go to town. That sounds delicious. That was, I, I thought about it, it long and hard. And I was like, man, the art department must have been like, look, we need to make this like look interesting. It's got to look like, you know, the state fair. It's got to look like OU weekend. And so they just went to like the local Walmart and bought every single pack of French fries they could find. Like they had to have. I mean, could you imagine like how long it took to cook all that shit? And everyone's drinking giant pock too, by the way. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude. Which so I'm also drinking, by the way. Tonight. At the end of the movie, they actually they had two corporate sponsors, Shinerbach and Big Red. Where's their big mm. red in this? I don't remember seeing big that. Big red's it's throughout. So in, uh, and we'll get to it, but the attack in the radio station, yeah. which stretches on the cooler, is filled with big red. Oh, yes, okay. I do and remember And then at yeah. the uh, dinner scene, Nubbins, even though he's a corpse, he's yeah. got one long curly Q straw going into mm-hmm. a bottle of big red. So there's a few product placements. Which, Good eye, man. Good eye on that. <laughs> big yeah, red is uh, my favorite soda. <laughs> I, dude, I, I told my wife, I was like, I want to take a road trip to uh, to New Jersey and bring Chris, like, like an 18-pack of Big Red and just be like, what up? There is one, like, local place here. It's it's like a uh, uh, like a vinyl record store, and the dude stocks soda from all across the you know world, and he's got fresh Big Red. So every time I go right. there, I, I make it a point to stop in and... Uh, Get a, a and, and it comes in uh, a glass bottle too, which is just even better. Uh, so I always I'm go in and sure, get a glass bottle of Big Red from him. I'm pretty sure Nikki D still has like Big Red like on fucking like tap. <laughs> they, have, they have like that and like RC Cola and Sunkiss. I'm like, this oh, is the greatest. I need RC Cola right now. Damn. Uh, yeah. And so we're at the chili cook-off, and of course, uh, old what's his name. Uh, Drayton wins, Sawyer. Yeah, wins, wins the uh, the chili cook-off once again. But what's weird is they they, they fill the actual <laughs> trophy with chili, 
and then hand it to him, and he's just like kind of like lazily <laughs> holding it, and there's chili just pouring out onto his like jacket, his coat. Like, yeah. It, hell. And, and doesn't says, the lady eat out of it? I love the anecdote. Oh yeah, and I've got a real eye for prime meat. It runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's sampling the chili and bites into something, and it's a fucking human tooth. And he's like, oh, these uh, hard shell peppercorns. <laughs> <laughs> and it's clearly a fucking human tooth. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a hard shell peppercorn. I guess. I guess it looks like fucking pepper, but that doesn't look like a fucking human tooth, man. <laughs> And I love that just no one else just like even bothers like to like comment on it. They're like, oh, okay, like, hey, well, they just gotta roll with it. That's a fucking tooth. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. I can't get past that. Like the narrator that also is like flirting with them too. Just like <laughs> talking about how he's like really cute, and then all of a sudden it's this old ass creepy dude. You're like, that's the guy that you find attractive. This weird guy in like a 1970s golf outfit. Uh, it, it's pretty stylish, and I love the name of the uh, catering service, the Last Roundup Rolling Grill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so okay, so he wins, and uh, I guess so. At, at this start, like Texas is reigning supreme once again, uh, sending Oklahoma back, packing, and just showing them that that Texas is is the real king of chili. And yeah, I mean, if you put in human meat in it, that's I mean. Go in. If you're going to do it, you no, know, go all the way. I don't know what those Oklahomans are putting in their chili, but certainly don't taste as good as... Uh, they don't have an eye for prime meat. Apparently not. And then we um, we jump... Okay, so now Dennis Hopper comes back. We uh, are at Cut Right Chainsaws. Oh, yes. Great scene. <laughs> in the midst of, like, Cut I guess, right. like a local high school like marching band. <laughs> it's like, so- for some reason playing in the background no they just had they were doing a band practice when they were shooting and they're like oh hell let's just get them to play uh the eyes of texas as they march down the road behind us that's insane that's just and, so crazy wait that's and cut right chainsaws yeah oh, and wow. that place i think it was an actual hardware store at the time because they were saying that that big ass log in front where you test the chainsaws was already there Jeez. And now it's a uh, a bar. I forgot what it's called, but it's a bar in Austin now. Dude, when he's oh, auditioning, when he's auditioning the chainsaws, he's holding them. It's so it's like um, it's like David Lynch took over for the day. Like that moment, dude, I'm like, is, am I like, is this a music video? And then when he's <laughs> testing the chainsaw, okay, okay, I was laughing so hard because he's getting wood chips in his mouth and he's sp- spitting them out. And <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say a word well, to this nice old man. He doesn't um, say a thing. And, but did that he just g- leaves a sack of money. <laughs> he leaves like a nine bills like on, on this yeah, line. Like, all hundreds. <laughs> yeah. And what, the thing that's great is apparently Toby Hooper told him, don't say anything during this entire scene. And that old guy has been in a bunch of movies filmed in Texas. But he did that and went outside. And my favorite part of it is just how happy and borderline yeah. orgasmic this old man gets <laughs> with Dennis Hopper going into town with these chainsaws. I mean, he's just like giggling and I, he definitely has an old man Woody. Oh, yeah. 100%. Sure. And he says the line, oh, my aching banana. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> if there weren't better lines later on, I would think that's the greatest line that's going to be in this movie. I don't know. Oh, my Aiken banana. That's bumper sticker material <laughs> yeah. right there. Holy shit. I love just, like, Dennis Hopper just kind of, like, trying out. Like, it's almost like a scene in, like, Lord of the Rings where they go into, like, the armory and they're trying out all these different weapons. Dude, yeah, it was like the Pulp Fiction scene where he's picking the weapons in the pawn shop, you know. He's, like, he's he's checking the weight and he's dancing with him and he's sword fighting with him and shit. It's, you can I'm see telling you, Dennis it's, Hopper it's envisioning, like, this battle with Leatherface at some point where he's going <laughs> to fight him chainsaw uh, to chainsaw, and you just kind of see it playing out in his fucking maniacal mind. Uh, yeah, it's it's insane. He was he was fighting that log like he did Leatherface later on. Like he was not just trying to see if the chainsaw would cut. He was like just going to town chopping. Well, somebody was because it clearly wasn't Dennis Hopper. <laughs> it was, was not. Yeah, oh man, yeah, that stunt guy was. No, <laughs> Jim Stevens is the stunt guy because they do in a lot of scenes in this movie. They do like a full on shot of the stuntman's face, like especially at the end, the chainsaw fight with Leatherface. Okay. And it's clearly not Dennis Hopper, but they just like, ah, fuck it. So this is the first instance when he's wielding that chainsaw and testing it out. It's like, that is not Dennis Hopper. But, but, but in the reverse, in the reverse, like someone is chopping the wood because pieces of wood are going in his mouth and he's like spitting them out when he's like, <laughs> testing it. And I would like also to point out that they don't know how to use a chainsaw. Because they're just like oh. hacking at the the large like yeah. It's like, that's not how you use a chainsaw. <laughs> what are you doing? No, that's what I said. He was he was fighting that that wood. Look, that chainsaws it. are dangerous, and it. it's they're hard as hell. Like you know, like to to wield just normally, just when you're just a pedestrian yeah. trying to cut sh- fucking wood, like let alone fighting with them. Yeah, and that chainsaw was huge. It, it was bigger than Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Dennis Hopper's not a large man, and uh, <laughs> no. Maybe five two or something. He looks like a, 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 but he's you know like large in like way. He's not so tall in stature. His personality is is, is does the talking for him, I guess. <laughs> and then so he decides to go back to uh, Keokla, uh, the the radio station. Finally, he's like, "All right, chick, you, I'll, I'll I need your help. I was You're my bait." <laughs> Yeah, and apparently there's some rule that um, she can't just play these things on the air, but she comes up with a way around it, just passes it off as a request to get on the air. And so the next thing we see is her playing it and, uh, you know, basically saying Lefty requested it. And uh, this is when we see Drayton driving the uh, last Roundup Rolling Grill down the road in which is a great food truck with the giant radio in the middle, a name tag that says his name right in front of the driver's seat. And then another giant cell phone, which I'm not even sure this is a cell phone. It looks almost like a landline. <laughs> I like, I guess they're just like, Oh fuck it. Like we, we've got to, to have some sort of plot device to be able to get you to talk to them. Just throw another phone in there and no one's going to, no one's going <laughs> to ask any questions about it. This, this is- this movie makes still, everyone think that everyone had a cell phone in Texas in 1986. <laughs> no one had cell phones. No. And that paint no is pretty one. sophisticated for that time. You know, that's, I mean, come on. I didn't see a cell phone until I was like 22. <laughs> especially, especially in a car. Like, dude, a cell phone in a car that worked? Like, I saw one in a car, but it didn't work. Don't have service. Well, yeah. and then 
while he's driving, of course, he still has the giant chili stain on his jacket, which is just classy. I love uh, the consistency, though. Like, this, <laughs> you know, like that's great. Well, so he's getting a call from what we can assume is Chop Top uh, saying that, you know, the audio of their attack from the night before is being played on the radio. I guess they're pretty concerned about this because maybe people are going to be like, maybe this is going on again. Maybe this whole chainsaw massacre business was real. And uh, so he's tuning it in <laughs> and not paying any attention to the road, just driving, <laughs> focused entirely on the phone and the radio just can't be safe. I mean, he's already an old guy and I don't trust old people behind the wheel. And now he's just, I don't know. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't flip that damn truck as like, <laughs> he, like, he, like, I thought that thing was flipping on its side at least when he like just slams on the brakes and just drifts right into this like uh, loose gravel. Uh, a a truck like that i don't think it's meant to do those things no but uh drayton sawyer you know he is an accomplished chef but also a uh a derby driver apparently as well (laughs) (laughs) so he gets all spun up now that these two idiots got themselves recorded although in reality what does this really prove it's just I, I don't know. Well, no, there's there's more to this because because Chop Top it listens to the show every night and is like a big fan. So that's he's yeah. in his head. He thinks there's like a connection to the two. I think that they're like more connected than they are. I think yeah. that's they were selling something like that. But uh, mm. but yeah, I was like I was like I thought the same thing. I was like, no, why would anyone believe this? It could just be sound design. Like someone just created this scene, and like only really two people know it's a murder. You know what I'm saying? Like the person who's investigating it and the person at the radio station and the people who committed the murder too. Well, yeah. And then of course the cook just gets so fucking angry. Like he does in the first movie in this movie, just exasperated by these idiots. They, and the cook in no way is a well-educated man or a smart man. And, uh, I mean, he's making barbecue out of humans for a living. So I don't think he really stuck around high school all that long. But he's just like, oh, you coon shits, you fudge pecker. (laughs) (laughs) Coon shit. Just the greatest insults and just angry old man. A lot of his lines make me wonder if if they were just a little bit of improv and they were like, all right, look, just riff, you know, like just just riff for like a, a scene and see. Let's see what happens. Because it's so like it's so spontaneous and like random that I'm like, wait, is that? Do you think that was written? And they were like, no, this way. (laughs) Well, and Jim Seedow, he was like the only real accomplished actor there because he did like Shakespeare and shit and uh, a bunch of theater. So they, if anyone could do it, he was the one doing it. So then after. all that they basically come up with a plan that they're going to need to get this tape back. So we go to back to the radio station and it's, uh, LG who's one of the great characters in the whole movie with his nasty, nasty spitting. And oh, also what the fuck? there's not like spittoons on the floor that we see or anything. <laughs> basically he's just hocking big ass slimy loogies all over the floor huh. of this radio station while also trying to convince stretch to go out on a date with him. Well, yeah. <laughs> can you <laughs> how she resists the, <laughs> the advances of LG? 
<laughs> I was getting moist. She, she up leaves. It seemed like she was almost there for a second. Like the way they the interplay. Like she was felt sorry for him. Like maybe I, oh no, oh, no, I won't. Well, I got lefty coming here, so uh, never yeah. Mind. And so he gets really, really spun <laughs> up that she's you know refusing his advances and storms off. So she starts closing up shop for the night, and then uh, she. I forgot what draws her into the room with Chop Top. I thought she was, like, leaving for the night. Noise. Yeah. She could hear a noise in the room, so she went oh, to Oh, is that what it was? Out, right? Yeah, yeah that's sure. it. Because she sees the, uh, like, a shadow moving behind the uh, door. Right, in the red light it, or whatever, yeah. And then one of the great entrances, I think, in all of horror history, because you hear it's his... It's history, we should just say. Yeah. I mean, just... <laughs> You hear that he, Bill Mosley is such a distinct voice, and you hear it before you yeah. see him that he's sitting there with this Sonny Bono wig, these goofy <laughs> John Lennon sunglasses, oh, with the like God. green and purple light playing off his clothes. And he just looks super bizarre. And uh, he just starts going on this random spiel, and you can tell right away this guy is not a normal dude. <laughs> no. I mean, he's basically. There's people that I know we went to like elementary school and shit with that turned out to be Chop Top. <laughs> like the one that came to what mind, uh, Mark Strelzik. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so just, I mean, he's dressed like Corky, dude, from the old neighborhood. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's like what Corky would wear to the gas station in the middle of the night when ride his bicycle up there, but also kind of impersonating Elvis at the same time. Oh, yeah. This is a real thing. Like, oh, it reminded yeah. me of it. <laughs> and he's doing this thing with the uh, coat hanger where he's uh, <laughs> sterilizing it with a lighter, the tip of it, and scratching his head. We don't see the plate yet because he's got the Sonny Bono wig on. But every time he pulls it off, there might be a little bit of skin, so he eats it, of course, because waste not, want not. That is honestly... I, like that is a small touch, but it makes his character so more creepy. Yeah. Like I just because as I watch him, like what is he doing? Like what the? F like it's so gross. Like you get a I, close up of his teeth and everything, dude. He's insane. Did you say uh, he was using the lighter to sterilize it? That's what they were saying. So in the one of the commentaries I watched, that's what they were saying. Which at it this point, just like he was. Seems to me he was like just getting it hot so he can melt the piece of skin off of it or something. Well, that's like you know. Well, they also yeah, go into it that apparently the reason he does that is he gets the coat hanger to a certain spot between the plate and his skull where uh -huh. he can touch. Uh, <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. It can touch a certain part of his skull that causes him to have an orgasm. So basically, <laughs> oh, he's God. using that to it's like a sex toy for him. Oh, God. I thought you were going to say, like, he could pick up some sort of, like, radio station because he talks about, like, how he loves music so much. Like, he can yeah. listen to the radio. Music by is my music. life. Yeah. <laughs> so it becomes, like, an antenna of sorts, and it just plays, like, in his head, or I don't know. Yeah, and oh, also, God. they go in, apparently, the whole concept behind it is, it didn't used to show all that plate, but he's been picking at it for so long, he's just peeled that right. much skin off. So, just a really nasty, disgusting creature this thing is. A vile human being. <laughs>
But yeah, so he gets uh, stretched, kind of like cornered there, and she's panicking because she's alone in this radio station, and you got this lunatic just ranting and raving and scratching his head. And I don't know, just the way he uses the liar and everything just makes him so much more threatening, I think. And uh, so out of nowhere, you know, he's just like, she's trying to get him to leave, and he's like, bye. She's like, goodbye. He's like, goodbye. (laughs) Exit. Yeah. Yeah. Exit. <laughs> and he just won't go. She's like, okay, bye. He's like, bye. Okay, yeah. <laughs> bye. Bye. Goodbye. And it's like, oh, God. This guy's not going to leave. He, no. He's fucking creepy. And then, of course, out of nowhere, here comes Leatherface. That's a great jump scare, the by the way. Yeah. It's a really great, like, leads us to a really great jump scare. I was not expecting that. I was it's like, so good yeah. that he almost kills Chop Chop. In this yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, what's the line? I know someone wrote it down. What, what does he say? <laughs> He's after he falls down. So Leatherface comes out his uh, chainsaw hits Chop Top in the head, knocking off the Sonny Bono wig. And he's checking his head, the plate. He's like, well, at least you didn't mess me up. <laughs> and then also, and then he's mad because the, the wig is like just kind of like on fire a little yeah. bit, just like kind of burning on the ground. Oh, God. Apparently, uh, Leatherface can be subdued by a fire extinguisher, too, because that was oh, also yes. pretty eye-opening right there. And I was just like, well, okay, how's she getting away? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, of course, um, the room, so that happens, and she runs from, Stretch runs from Leatherface, and the room she runs into is a callback to the original movie with a sliding metal door, mm-hmm. except this time yeah. she's going into the room to protect herself from Leatherface. That's a good, that's a good thing I, di- I didn't pick up on that that's that's pretty interesting oh yeah yeah slide the door and puts like it's like a railroad spike to lock it or yeah something, something like that. that yeah and so she's stuck in there and leatherface is trying to get in and at this point um lg returns with some drinks or something i guess he just ran to the 7-eleven to get something to drink while they closed up and he comes in and stumbles upon chop top which i think the iconic line in the entire movie uh, lick my plate, you dog dick. <laughs> so good. Oh. And he's also oh, having really, like some it... Vietnam flashbacks or something because his oh. plate got dented in or something. Yeah, he's just going through all the vinyl records and smashing them and music is my life and doing that whole shenanigans. And then um, out of nowhere, Leatherface comes back and tosses LG over the side of a railing and uh, Chop Top starts laying to him with a hammer. Like a ball-peen hammer or something. <laughs> yeah, he's just, you know, going to town. And it's one of the most graphic scenes in the of, movie. Dude, I, it was hard to watch. It's a flurry, though, the way he's just pounding on this guy. with this. <laughs> in any <laughs> other movie, the guy's skull would be just, like, mush after that. Oh, It'd yeah. be like raspberry jam. Yeah. But yeah. LG, the dude could take a shot if he's got one thing going for him. Like he may not be able to, you know, be good with the ladies, but he could take some hammer shots to the face and oh. keep on kicking. And they, uh, he, uh, Bill Mosley was saying they shot that scene 13 times. And Why? Towards the, Why? <laughs> Bill Mosley was like, he's talking to Toby Hooper. He's like, what am I doing wrong? He's like, Oh, nothing. I'm just having fun watching this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn that's insane but that i i mean i that i believe it completely because this movie yeah 
Well, they definitely so, used a lot of those thirteen cuts in the in the in the shots they used. They definitely did because it's. I mean, it's like it's just it's amazing. Like the amount of uh, hammer hammer blows the man takes. Well, like yeah, while you're watching it, you're thinking, Jesus, this is some fucking overkill. But in actuality, it's underkill because he doesn't they, kill the motherfucker. <laughs> and he's still spitting, by the way. As yeah. he's getting hit, he's still spitting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh God! Um, and it's not the worst thing that they do to the poor guy either. Like, oh they no! Up, no. Like, this movie, I feel so bad because he's he's just a regular guy, man. He's just trying to get a girl. He's just working like a, a blue collar job, you know. Like he's not hurting nobody, and he's just man. I don't know. I feel bad for yeah. old LG. No, he's definitely the person I think that. Uh I think he gets it the worst out of anyone in this movie because, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, what happened soon? We'll get to it, but yeah. So after we leave Chop Top just, you know, pounding away on poor old LG, the uh, love story aspect of this movie Mm -hmm. kicks in. (laughs) Yeah. So, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, right before that, too, is like, that's one of the first scenes we get of uh, Leatherface doing that weird chainsaw shimmy. Um (laughs) And which is like you see that a lot throughout the movie, um, and I just like do we know where that came from? What what what? Does no, he have? I mean, and all it is is he's just holding the chainsaw above his head and then like wiggling his hips, basically gyrating, <laughs> like almost like if Elvis had a chainsaw and like held it. Like that's all I can think of. It's just like it, I just Look. don't. It he does it so much throughout this movie. Oh yeah, this is go to move. <laughs> It is sexy, I'll say that. It's oh yeah, I mean, not as it's not as sexy as when he's cornered her and she's like, "Are you a good boy?" Yeah. Or whatever, or are you good or are you bad or whatever. Yeah, so so Leatherface goes back and finds, I guess, a weak spot in this uh, ice cooler or where the hell they're in, which is first off, this is a working radio station and they have more Shinerbach beer in boxes in there than any fucking bar does. I w- yeah. I want to work there. I, I mean, dear God. And big red. Because, I mean, I guess... And in a bit, they also have, like, a giant thing of ice in there as well. Yeah. Like, they've yeah. got all the big red and, like, RC Cola on ice in there. Um, and for some reason, she just has to sit on top of it with her legs spread. Oh, yeah. So, so not you, you gotta You gotta uh, satisfy your sponsors, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Leatherface bursts in, and, you know, she's cornered, straddling the ice bucket. And, of course, Leatherface uh, takes a lichen toll stretch. So he uses <laughs> his uh, his chainsaw in place of uh, his wiener there. And uh, <laughs> apparently, oh, a little bit, you think? <laughs> but apparently, but if, you know, though, they, like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to try to shove a chainsaw inside a woman, it probably start with someone named Stretch. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good call there. And she asks him, you know, are you good? And he yeah. looks at his chainsaw, and, like does this little lick lipping thing. Oh, and, so gross! <laughs> and then you know, drags the chainsaw along her leg, and she's wearing those short booty shorts, and then you know, starts pushing up against her crotch and whatnot. And they didn't use a body double or anything for that. That was uh, Carolyn Williams the entire time. She is this. She's super hot in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, no. Well, and Bob Elmore was saying that it was 
they actually it was a real saw. They had a real chain on the saw for that scene too. Yeah, you could totally see um yeah. see that. And I will say, like, I, I think she's an entirely like she's super hot in this movie, but I, I said it off air before we start recording, like she is like aside from Dennis Hopper kind of giving that like that star power and uh, giving that to the movie, if they didn't have her in this, like she carries large portions of this movie just yeah. throughout her dialogue and everything else. Like she's for all its purposes, like she's kind of the star of the film in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean Hopper got the top billing and all just because of who he was, but in reality, I would say, you know, three quarters, two thirds of the movie, he's all he's doing is running around like a yeah. fucking lunatic with a chainsaw. He's not doing <laughs> anything other than just being a madman. She's the yeah, only yeah. one that really makes sense throughout this whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Caroline Williams, who actually uh, followed me on Twitter. I just had to throw that in there. Oh, oh shit. Aren't you fancy? Darcy the male girl no. follows me on Twitter, too. I'll, I'll say that. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Right. I don't have a Twitter. Well, <laughs> I don't you're not going to get followed by anyone by not having one. <laughs> we'll have to fix no, that. No, I'm we'll not. Fix that. So, yeah, so uh, basically I guess we can kind of assume Leatherface climaxes because, you know, he starts really thump, thrusting hard. Then he runs out of the room, back into the, like, studio, cuts up everything, and, you know, stretches screaming and whatnot. And then before he leaves, he gives her one last goodbye. He, you know, puts the chainsaw between his legs and does a few uh, groin thrusts her direction with the chainsaw, which... Yeah, uh twixter one last time. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I'm just glad uh, I don't want my wife watching that because I'm afraid she'll leave me for Leatherface. He's just like, <laughs> it's just very suggestive gyrating, like, in her direction. I feel like it's almost like his version of, like, skeeting at her. Like, just like, 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 it's like, don't oh you forget God. about this, you know, yeah. like more where that came from or something. I don't know what he was doing there, but, um, it's very suggestive. And then like, so chop top, he, he leaves and chop top is, uh, he's already beaten the shit out of LG, assume that he's dead. And then he's like, Oh, you killed her. Right. He's in, and yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 totally dead. She's yep. We're not going to have to worry about her. Won't see her for the rest of the picture. Yep. <laughs> Which, Guess honestly, what? like, Chop Top doesn't even kill his guy either. So they both no. fail at, at what they're supposed to do. I mean, when you think about it, this movie really doesn't have that many kills. <laughs> yeah, when she kill says they the live on beginning. fear, you know, when she says they feed on fear and live on fear, it's just like, oh, they don't, like, they, they, they don't care about killing as much as they care about, like, just scaring the absolute shit out of her. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that wait. Chop Top also takes LG's hat, like, right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, his, 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 his uh, fucking Sonny Bono wig is, is, is all melted, so he's got to have something to cover the old dome, the chrome dome. Oh, yeah. And then as he leaves that scene, giddy up! <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Bill Mosley was doing so much of that ad lib, so, I mean, that had to have been oh, funny yeah. shit being on set, just seeing him do that shit. Yeah, that uh, it's he—he he is a, a maniac. Like I—I I believed everything that he was doing in this movie. Like it just didn't. He—he just—he's got that just maniacal quality. Um, you know, with all of his his kind of uh, characters that he does throughout horror movies. Like it's just he's fucking just really unsettling to see him kind of play his roles, and I love it. He's—he's he's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So it, going back to what you say, you know, they kill care more about, you know, scaring them than killing them. They fail at that because after all this <laughs> happens, after being like sexually assaulted by a chainsaw, these people leave. Most of us would be like, okay, fuck all that shit. I'm going to call the cops or I'm just going to drive the fuck away. I'm going to no. count my yeah, blessings and just kind of move to the next town over and just, you know, like I'm going to live a life fuck of solitude. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Oh, no. They can't get away. And she fucking chases these maniacs. This guy's wearing this patchwork of other human faces as a goddamn mask going around with a chainsaw as a sex object and, you know, <laughs> chop top where the fuck he is. And she's giving chase to them. What the fuck she going to do if she catches them? Well, she hasn't thought, you know, that far through, uh, but she's just a, a badass man. She's not going to let, she's not going to let some guy, uh, you know, flashes uh, metal dong around and, <laughs> Like, she's gonna get her her justice on this, and she's yeah. she's badass. You're gonna get your comeuppance. That's right. <laughs> You're gonna go beat through them with not much cum on that. Oh, <laughs> hey yo. So yeah, so you know, we have a uh, I guess kind of an OJ Simpson low speed car chase. Uh, <laughs> one of the cool things I really liked was the music because it's kind of like a Psycho and Reanimator. Uh, just that type of sounds that they have going and the theme, which uh, I really enjoyed. And um, so they have this little car chase, chase in parentheses, I guess. And uh, they go to the Texas Battleland amusement park, which I never heard of that place. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting if they add something like that. Into is this also in Austin though? Is this like uh, where is, like, I've never heard of this place before. It, it was apparently this like a Matterhorn uh, theme park that was like 30 miles outside of Austin or something. Okay. And it had been abandoned and um, lots of the stuff was there. Like uh, that big, I call it, they called it chainsaw heaven in the movie or in the commentaries where grandma is. And um, all that was supposed to be the Matterhorn. And then um, I think at one point before Dennis Hopper goes charging and you see like a, a pyramid in the background, the statue of Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett and shit. So some of that stuff was there. And it's just a weird place. I they I don't know if like if, if they just and, and Cody, you could probably speak to some of this stuff. Like, do you just do scouting? Like when you said like when Dude, they would have. OK, like, so the, the, so I guess I don't know if it was pre-written that like, oh, the cannibals have been living in this fairground sort of old decrepit theme park but sometimes your movies like are based on like the budget is based on like a location that you can get for free or like someone's like offered up or borrowed or like a, a homie's like hey you know i got access to the matterhorn why don't we why don't we film there you know like it, it, it sometimes happens that organically like it really does mm-hmm. and you'll and you'll end up filming at the wildest place or like someplace you didn't think you were going to get into and you know like it hinges upon like the whole film so I, and know, also, it, it, it comes down to the fact that it's like we can save a shit ton of money by doing oh, yeah. this. And especially, so, especially that like prefab, all that stuff that was there. Like they didn't have to build that; they barely right. had to art direct it. So like the so like the production value was like high, and like the budget was like low on that. So they or the you know they they made great a great margin on it. But oh, I'm yeah, sure that's it, like a filmmaker's like wet dream. It's just like stumbling upon this thing where you're like, this is perfect. Like we can just shoot right here. We don't even have to really do much of anything. And Dude, we that's can get, that's like, one of the whole scenes out of this. That's one of the things that I credit this movie for in. Uh, 
in indie film and horror, in, especially in Texas, is getting that like the ability to have that one location or that one spot that kind of makes your movie bigger and better, and it, everyone benefits from it. You know, like like that we we do a lot of random ass movies like in Corsicana, and there's a lot of places like the not like the Matterhorn, but like around town that are just up for grabs that we can use because the town is so like open to filming and stuff, yeah. but. Dude, it's the the Matterhorn scenes were so hilarious to me because I could just imagine like the crew having to like get ready early in the morning, going out there and then being like, "Oh shit, where can we all park?" You know, like just there's so many aspects to it. But then you like you see the the end result, and it's like it's it, like the art department did a great job, like especially with that like chainsaw heaven part. <laughs> yeah, Robert, like, what did you think of this whole scene? Like, and, and like this is like probably the coolest. Uh, probably the coolest like location of the movie. I think. What did What did you think of this? Like what you like where they she followed them into the tunnel. Like yeah, part? yeah, yeah. Just the, even the right. outside part of it, but then like you eventually go down into the tunnels and yeah. reveal like this. There's a whole fucking like like goblin underground of like cannibals <laughs> under here or something. Yeah, there's yeah. They just have like it was. I mean, it kind of you know because it had all like the. Uh, like skeleton furniture and shit everywhere. You know, it kind of makes you, you know, it kind of throws back to the house from the original one, you know, yeah. with all that stuff around and they had the dinner table and all that stuff, you know, but with the product placement of the big red and shit like that on it. But like the whole, the underground thing, like it, I, I think it gave like more of a creepy vibe than like the house from the first one just because it was interesting you know with, like the tunnels and shit like that and like you know and just with all the stuff hanging everywhere and it being like kind of like you know kind of dark and weirdly lit you know i don't know i thought i thought like you know for the the fact of you know how kind of goofy their the movie is like i thought that part of it like the underground part was actually pretty creepy was this supposed to be like some sort of like underground mine or something at some point? Like, I mean, I can't imagine. When she that. falls in that tunnel. I'm yeah. like, that was fucking wild. It was like something out of like another dimension. I was just it like, this like is getting sucked in there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. It was like some sort of mine shaft, and like, I just like, how did she stop right on that and just fall in it though? Like, was that a trap door like thing or? Like, was, I, that, was that purposely done? Or? For me, I thought it was. I thought it was Leatherface pulling her down from the, the first perspective, but then it wasn't. I was just like, "How is she just there?" <laughs> I love dude, that. that as yeah. she's like kind of holding on uh, for dear life, like Dennis Hopper runs up and like extends like a bony arm. <laughs> like, like he's like, yeah. "Here, take this." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Grandma strong hand. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Christopher Elliott. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah, so so in stretch. The, go ahead. In the in the house, the the grandpa character looks so much like Dan Aykroyd from Nothing But Trouble to me. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I'm talking exactly about, what I was thinking. dude? I, I was like, I thought it was him for like a minute. I was like, are we sh- are we trying to like put these things together? What's happening right now? But so, sorry to jump ahead, but it was like something about that makeup and everything. I was like, dude, someone. That, I feel like that was the same makeup artist that did, or like that did both of those. <laughs> I mean, that would be Tom Savini. Would oh, be. Oh yeah. I wonder if Tom Savini did yeah. Death of the Trouble. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out after I, a while. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, like 
that's the that's the one like Dan Aykroyd they they have that's like weird like a uh, hotel or something. Yeah, with Chevy Chase. Chevy and, Chase uh, comes to town. John Candy, Demi Moore. He uh, like peeps. Yeah, and they get they get like harangued by this like small like town, this outfit that like they're stuck and they're cannibals and. The, oh my god, dude! The movie's so it's good. And then, and then two live crew comes and like do the Humpty Hump, like or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, it's Digital Underground. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and dude, it's it's an amazing movie. But the, I swear, the grandpa, I was like, holy shit, is that Dan Aykroyd? Oh, so it, looked, it, it literally looked exactly like him. <laughs> so at this point, uh, Stretch has chased them down to this place, and she gets out on foot and is following them, and. Uh, out of nowhere, here comes Lefty in his, uh, I guess, station wagon. She doesn't know who the fuck this is, so she starts running from Lefty. He finally stops and realizes, maybe I shouldn't just chase this poor lady. And uh, when she turns around to look at him, the ground underneath her lights up, and she starts falling through all these tunnels like y'all were talking about. And what I found funny was every time she stops and you think she's falling as far as she's going, she keeps falling some more. There's levels to this. It's like a goddamn yeah. cartoon how many fucking <laughs> times she falls through the floor and then comes to rest and I guess is kind of like the smokehouse of the place because, you know, there's smoke body parts everywhere and whatnot. And that's when, uh, you know, everyone starts coming back from, you know, get kidnapping LG or killing him, whatever they thought they did. And uh, that Leatherface starts going to town on poor old LG at this point. Yeah, this it's this is like one of the roughest scenes like for me uh, watching this. I just feel so bad for him because he just wants a date. Like that's the whole like his his kind of um, his thing throughout the whole movie. And what's weird is like throughout like this whole scene, there's like these weird like legs just kind of hanging up. Like I don't know if they're like smoking these body parts, but there's just like sausage and oh yeah, it, it's such a macabre <laughs> oh, prepping, scene. Prepping for their chili. I guess so. Like looking for the next chili cook-off. Well, in- and, and one thing <laughs> we actually skipped this one part, um, because after stretch falls and everything, Dennis Hopper realizes he's got to go in. So he, uh, you know, unloads the station wagon with his chainsaws. And they have this great shot of him with, uh, you know, everything he does a slow turn towards the camera with the Davy Crockett in the background and the pyramid. And then just does this, wild charge at this wall screaming like he's just gonna run right through it and then he stops and very gently opens the gate <laughs> then goes screaming inside <laughs> it's just so anticlimactic capture that big charge and everything i thought it was kind of neat though as he went into his trunk to get uh the chainsaws like it all there was almost like a moment in his face where he kind of didn't want to do it or something. It was just like this weird hesitance or something. I don't know if you guys yeah. thought that. Um, I just thought that was like kind of like a poignant moment. Um, if there could be one in this movie uh, where it's just like almost like where you think that he, he knows he's not coming back from this, but he's got to do it anyway type of thing. The tone of his character at that point and, and right after that when he's underneath like trying to destroy the pillars or whatever, I'm just like, I'm like thinking, can he be in on this? Is he like part of the family? You know, like, is he gonna like turn and be the like a bigger monster than them? You know, like it, it, 
it like the way his performance was rocking then uh, that chili recipe dude it was like it was like there was this uh like underlying like just this thing this pressure boiling and that's I, that's definitely one of those moments when he has that moment of pause at the trunk you know i could totally see him being the most maniacal person in this entire movie like if there was that twist i would believe it 100 percent. yeah <laughs> I mean, and then, so he goes in, and then there's this mural of, like, I can only describe it as an Asian Davy Crockett. <laughs> I'm not sure if y'all picked up on that. I mean, it's supposed to be Davy with the coonskin hat and everything, but it looks distinctly Asian. That <laughs> He was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was Asian. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, like, you know, some Jesus picture that he's, Davy starts crying blood. Wait, what, what was that? Like, <laughs> what is going on there? Don't don't think about it too hard. It's, it's just kind of like one of those phantasm things. Like these just livers or something just come shooting out of a chute? So, yeah, he sees this puddle of blood. So, as anyone would logically do, you kick a hole in the wall, and just this geyser, this torrent of blood and guts and entrails just comes yeah. gushing out of the wall. And, and then he's like, I've had enough of this shit. And he just yeah. starts going berserk mode. Like, he gets fucking crazy and just sawing everything in his path. And the thing is, all that stuff, they got it from a local rendering plant. So they had all these entrails and animal parts. And, of course, they're filming in Texas inside of a building. So you, it's this heat. Oh. You have all this rotting oh. meat and shit. So, uh. That was all real stuff, no like effects or anything, just real animal pieces. There's actually lots of yeah. stuff in this movie that is real, but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, Tom, uh, Tom Savini and Bob Elmore were talking about that how it was so hot down there. They brought in all these like like air conditioning units to put in, but it was so hot that they just all broke down. And they just, oh, and they could they man. couldn't have them running while they were filming because of the sound anyway, and then they just they just gave up on it like you know after you know I don't know how many days but they just gave up on trying to do it and they just worked their way through like the 110 degree heat every day. Well, welcome welcome to the last decade of my life of me being like yeah. <laughs> I'm the dickhead I'm the dickhead that comes to set and I'm like and I'm the sound mixer so I'm like sorry guys we gotta turn that AC off and they're like really and I'm like yeah <laughs> and dude and like. And those air conditioning units, so if they always break down, it's like, it's it's so it's inevitable. But then, th dude, this is the best part, is that if they're not set up properly, they leak, like, a little bit of noxious, like, Freon gas, like, into the set. So you're, like, all loopy and shit from it. And usually <laughs> you're, like, renting them from some dude that had a dude that, like, brought them out from some trailer park or something. They're not, like... You know, they're, they're rentals, but it's most, most of the time it's like a buddy deal. So they're not the best air conditioning unit. And, right. but man, uh, but dude, when it's hot, you know, like, that's like, God, there's so many elements to the Texas heat, summers, like shooting on film, you know, like that kind of stuff, like, it's just like, it's all like, it all wears on you. You can see Dennis Hopper's performance, like, you know, from the, from the top down. He's losing he's not shit. wearing like uh, garb that breathes well, dude. No, he's wearing like polyethylene. He's wearing like straight up like 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 vinyl interior, like his suit. You know what I'm saying, like, dude. Yeah. So, God. oh, sorry. But his also, I feel for I feel for uh, the the girl that played Stretch because she's screaming so much when she's strapped down to the chair. I mean, like. 
that scene is really hard to listen to, A, because the sound mixer must have had a hell of a time dealing with that, but B, she's like screaming at the top of her lungs in like a hundred degree heat inside of like a, a you know, a heated space with like a probably dozen other people in the room breathing oxygen too. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like though we <clears throat> we should take some time though just to kind of talk about like um I think we, we kinda touched on it, but just the scene of Leatherface kind of filleting LG's like skin. Which oh, yeah, is with, oh, yeah. with the electric knife. So he goes from this yeah. giant fucking chainsaw to this, you know, almost delicate uh electric knife. Oh my god. This is one why of that made me laugh scenes. so hard when I saw the knife. I was I and then uh, I immediately stopped laughing, but man, when I first saw it I was like, really? We're going here. Wow. If, every it's, time I see one of those knives, I just think of my dad like Filleting fish that we caught at Lake Weatherford when I was like eight years old. Like, that's I think of Thanksgiving. That kind of knife that he would use to like <laughs> clean fish out in the backyard. It's fucking poor like, LG's face comes LG's right face. off. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't think that's how it would work, but you know, whatever. It takes takes some effort too. I'm going with it. And the instructions that the cook gives to old Leatherface is peel that pig and slice them thick. <laughs> and you know yeah. what though, like. Um, <clears throat> And uh, and so at some point, Leatherface realizes that um, Stretch is kind of uh, behind, like hiding. She yeah, because she knocks over uh, some metal hooks. Hooks or something, yeah. He's got the gi- gi- most gigantic fucking cleaver I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but he's he's like he gets an idea that he's going to try to get her out. Like she convinces him, like I need your help. And so he's got this like weird crush on her. Um. And so he gets an idea of, like, he's going to put LG's face on her <laughs> face and, like, sneak her out or something. But, like, the thing that really fucked me up in this scene is as he's putting it on her face, she says this the, this sentence. <laughs> it's so haunting to me. She's like, it's. she says something like, oh, my God, it's so wet. No, it's and, wet. Yeah, That's it's wet. And that seems to me is, like... That it seems like such a plausible thing that you would think in that moment, like, oh God, it's gonna touch me. It's so wet, and feeling the blood and just the wetness of someone else's inside skin touching your outside skin seems so <laughs> gross to me. <laughs> like, and, and she was legit gagging while they were doing that scene. Oh my God, it is that is a fucked up scene, man. It's this whole. This is crazy. Probably the most insane scene of the entire movie, I think. Well, yeah. So he puts um, the yes. he puts LG's face on her, which disgusting. Then to top it off, he gets LG's hat, puts that on. So now she basically looks like LG with tits. <laughs> and kinda. a great ass, mind you. <laughs> yeah. And so he starts dancing with her, and I mean, Leatherface can cut a rug. Let me tell you. <laughs> So at that point, uh, something comes up and Leatherface, you know, ties her up to a, a chain or a spike in the floor and leaves her, you know, still with the LG mask on. And that's when we realize, holy shit, LG is still this guy has been bashed in the head double digit times, probably upwards of 20 or 30 oh, yeah. times. <laughs> then had his face fucking peeled off along with other huge chunks of his body. And he's just like, he basically sounds like he's waking up from a hangover. He's just cock strong, man. <laughs> he's just like, like, you can't keep a good LG down. I don't know, man. Like, he's just. And he's still spitting. <laughs> <laughs> he's still spitting. Yeah, 
Like, oh, God. Like <laughs> did, did Rob Zombie get this scene, though, uh, with her wearing the face in this movie? Is that is that like, uh, which 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 scene is that in? Is it uh... Otis? Otis, Bill Mosley's character in all three of Rob Zombie's movies, Otis Driftwood does that to someone in uh, like all the movies. But that's totally from this like this scene, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where oh, he's. Oh, playing, I, right? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. You know, like he's his Rob Zombie's huge influence. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, like, openly talks about it. Which is I, I assume still, why he has Bill Mosley in like all of his movies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because I saw that, and I was like immediately brought back to the the scene. Um, I think it was in the. Uh, not House of a Thousand Corpses. What's the uh, the, the Devil's Rejects when. The the girl gets like breaks out of the hotel room or whatever the motel and she's running and she has like the dude's face, uh like yeah. on her it's that it looks so much it you know it calls back to this. There's also an homage right. that I think in the Devil's Rejects that's like whenever Dennis Hopper says there's been a kill cluster in North Texas and he's talking about the cannibals. For some reason, yeah. I feel like Rob Zombie like 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 expounded upon that line and that's like maybe. It, it just seems like it has part of the Devil's Rejects lore in there. Like it was uh, that line just really stuck out to me when De- when Dennis Hopper said that. I was just like, hmm, kill clusters all over Northeast Texas. The only thing we're missing in this one that could have really connected the two is just Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, even even like watching it uh, at the Chainsaw uh, some, uh, earlier today, like Dennis Hopper's character just like kind of like. Just the hat and everything, kind of the crazy, well, he's a former cop, but crazy cop, kind of reminded me of Wydell from The Devil's Rejects. It was mm-hmm. kind of him, like, like legitimately just, like, losing it, you know? Yeah. And just, like, toward the end of the movie, of both of these movies, they both characters just kind of go off the deep end. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I can only imagine dealing with this type of, like, level of psychopath for long. Like, yeah. you eventually, you know, like, you have to... In order to probably defeat this type of like macabre evil, you have to kind of go into your own dark area. I would imagine to where you almost become right. a monster in of, of yourself to be able to, you know, kind of defeat that evil. That's why I thought he was playing like he was going to go bad the whole movie because right. I was like, dude, he's like feigning this like this breakdown, like he's going to tear everybody apart, you know. Like it's it, yeah, you gotta get inside the mind like, of the killer. See him just like chopping shit up, and then he, I guess he finds like his nephew or something to do in the wheelchair. Corey, help me out here. Yeah, so um, basically, after all this is going on, he's still. And the thing is, he's sawing all these beams off, but he'll saw a beam, and the bottom will fall off, but the top's still there. Nothing falls down, so they're not like <laughs> load supporting beams or anything. He's just, I, I don't know the architecture of this place, but just yeah, he comes shit up. That's all yeah. he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. So he comes into a room and there's a, a old decayed skeleton in a wheelchair, which obviously is a callback to the first one, uh, Franklin, who was uh, Sally's brother. And uh, he, Dennis Hopper gives us the impression that they're related. he, I've heard that he's supposed to be his nephew, um, Franklin. That's what was, I read too. Yeah, but also in the, he's like, "I'm here for you now, brother." So I'm not sure if he's saying that just like, you know, brother, or if like actual <laughs> like, familiar like brother, pro wrestling brother. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's also, how it, mind you, like I want to know what batteries he was using in that flashlight because the flashlight still works. Yeah, yeah, like it, uh, twelve years later. Yeah, yeah. But just long <laughs> enough for it to shine on his face that it dies. Yeah. But yep. also, uh, Toby Hooper was saying that the backstory that's not in the movie or anything is um, Stretch is actually Lefty's illegitimate daughter. And so she's somehow, in some unknown way, related to the people from the first movie, which just kind of ties everything together. But yeah, so uh, that's going on. And then, uh, you know, Stretch gets out of the smokehouse room. And that's when we first see kind of like the whole scope of this set that they're on with all the skeletons and everything. And, uh, you know, their family is having their usual squabbles, chop tops acting like chop top uh knowing the hell out of the cook leatherface is going around just like a bumbling oaf and um one of the things i liked I'm, it took me a couple of times through to catch it is chop top so he the uh injury he got to his head in vietnam is paying for this whole cooking business because he's saying like you know i got this in vietnam and this is paying for all this he doesn't want to do the cook business anymore he wants to turn Texas Battleland into Nam Land. <laughs> that, that may not be the most uh, sound financial decision. I no, would say. no. And then he's going around with the fire extinguisher, like yelling napalm with that, <laughs> and just you know he the cooks try to explain this, then the other, then out of nowhere, chop tops is like Nam Land, Nam Land. <laughs> um. The thing about that scene had like a sitcom aspect to me, to, to it. Like if there was just a laugh track in there, like the, the one there, and it's just exploring that whole situation, I just, I was just was like, but this is hilarious. Yeah, I like, mean, they have a business, a barbecue business based around killing people, turning humans into barbecue, and he's bitching, the cook's bitching about like, you know, the taxes and how the man's always trying to keep the little man down and whatnot. So he's just a small business owner, just trying to get by in life. He's trying to make ends meet, you know? Yeah, just a Literally. family business. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when um, Stretch you know, starts her run and she goes down into the tunnels and this is where some of the coolest set pieces are. Yeah. All these, like really great. Like these dioramas of these old corpses, like the cup, the family at the beach and whatnot. And it's just this long ass tunnel with all this cool shit in it. And uh, she gets towards the end and we know it's lefty who's on his, you know, chainsaw melee spree and um he closes off an entrance to the tunnel so she doubles back runs into the leather face they have a little chase scene after the you know required chainsaw shimmy (laughs) and uh and also all those skeletons down there those were real skeletons that they bought from india what yeah (laughs) there are like over a hundred skeletons and you could only buy them from india and is, uh, so is Toby is Toby Hooper known for doing this? Because I know cause they did this Poltergeist. Poltergeist yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Say that. Yeah, That's because psycho. they were worried that it was going to be like you know a cursed film set or something because of that because they had all these yeah. no shit real skeletons and yeah, you know they like in were the like, pool or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. When you get when you get those skeletons, do you think they're like really all like? perfectly cleaned out do you think there's like maybe some like still some organic like material around left yeah like yeah. that right like that's ah, oh, dude <laughs> i 
I've never dealt with real skeletons in that way. That's ugh. what have you? What what, what hey hey like, this circumstances is... have you dealt with skeletons? <laughs> Do what? I'm saying like you haven't yeah. dealt with skeletons that way, but like what <laughs> way have you dealt with them? <laughs> guess this isn't going to be a family-friendly podcast. Probably not. <laughs> so at this point, the whole Sawyer clan corner stretch in uh, the tunnels, and uh, Drayton <laughs> said, are you the saboteur that's been fucking up my house? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And of course, Chop Top's jumping around with Nubbins, his twin brother, who's dead, of course, yelling, burn her like a rat! Burn her like a rat! And oh uh, I've uh, and that's when uh, everyone comes to the realization that uh, Leatherface has a crush on Stretch. He's telling him this just isn't going to work out. And uh, so the cook tells Leatherface, you got one choice, boy, sex or the saw. Sex is, uh, well, nobody knows that, but the saw, the saw is family. Which is like probably the greatest line of the entire franchise, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that, it's kind of like. That is such an iconic line. I'm yeah. surprised there aren't shirts or bumper stickers that say that, honestly. There probably are. I mean, the saw is, there are. Isn't it the tagline for part three? Yeah, it's literally engraved on the chainsaw the saw, in the third yeah. movie. And so it's it's yeah. it's a it like I don't know if, if maybe they knew it was gonna be that iconic when they wrote it, but maybe afterwards they're like, holy shit, like we got really lucky with that one. That that's going to stick. And so they did. And then they hit her with a giant, like fucking femur bone or something. Yeah, <laughs> like like a dinosaur bone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she's like, I guess now we're back uh, at the table having some, some dinner. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Right. The Sawyer family feels it's very important to have a meal together as a family, figure out what they did during the day, you know, what each other has going on in their lives. The family that eats together stays together. Yeah, yeah. And so, just like, it's a callback to the first one, and I think almost every single Chainsaw movie has a dinner scene like this. And that's when uh, we they bring out Grandpa again. We're told he's 137 years old due to his strict liquid diet. And uh, just the makeup on Grandpa is so fucking disgusting. I mean, he I, they do a zoom in on his, like, just dead eyes, oh. these sores around his mouth. I and saw something that said they, that Tom Savini, this was, like, his best work either up to this point or, like, one of his most proudest pieces of work that he had done um, yeah. was yeah. this. It reminded me of that intro to the Beetlejuice yeah. cartoon. That's what it looked like. <laughs> it was psycho. Robert, what, what were you saying, Robert? Tom Savini actually asked Toby Hooper to do close-ups because they were so, um, like, proud of the makeup. Oh, nice. You know, I, didn't, and, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, like, he, he, they asked him to, like, uh, do close-ups, zoom in, and they, like, actually pick the guy, the actor who was in the makeup, you know, that they've used. Like, Tom Savini picked the guy and, like, wanted a certain person to do it or something because of, like, the way – like his eyes looked or something like that. And I'm sure he yeah. had something with him in the eyes. No, too, he but. said he, they picked him because his eyes were so deep set and hollow looking. And the guy was yeah. actually a, uh, a Vietnam vet that had been exposed to agent orange. So he had all these sores behind his ears and shit. 
So they had to work around that uh, when they did all that makeup on them. Poor son of a right. bitch. Like, can you imagine <laughs> going to Vietnam, getting Agent Orange, and then you're in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, so just like in the first one, they bring uh, Stretch over to uh, put her head in the tub, and Grandpa's trying to hammer her because uh, we learned that he was, you know, the best back in the day, and he quit because of automation and everything, and he just didn't want to have any part of that. He liked it the old-fashioned way, and just like in the first one, he can't hold the hammer, so, you know, Stretch is there screaming her head off, and this old man's trying to club her upside the head. Like um, LG, though, like, she could take a shot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm surprised. Like, she just, like, he hit her solid a few times. Oh, and yeah. And the old gal just, like, keep, keep, she's trucking along. She's right there with us. Oh, and before, let's not forget, before the hammering starts, when they do the close-up of Grandpa, <laughs> Chop Top sticks the hanger over by his mouth, and he starts slurping all over the hanger, which oh. is just one of the many gross gross things in this movie. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else to say about this scene. I don't think there's much else to say. It was I checked out a little bit because I had to turn it down because I was like my wife is going to think I'm watching like torture porn right now. You know, like cuz she was screaming so hard. Yeah. Oh no. It, my wife has said on a regular basis with the movies I watch that just listening to it, she thinks I'm watching porn. And I'm just like, what kind of fucking porn do you think I watch? <laughs> the good thing, the good thing about that though, too, Corey, is that now you can watch porn and she thinks you're watching <laughs> horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm just watching a job pro pro yeah. tip, man. Yeah. Pro tip. We could just make yeah. up movie names. It's on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Right after, uh, I think the cook eventually has to be the one that gives the final shot to Stretch to knock her out. And that's when um, Dennis Hopper arrives. He comes through the tunnel singing a song, and he does this great jump where it's one of those, the stuntman jumps out of frame, and then Dennis Hopper pops up and walks towards <laughs> the camera. And um, Cook's like, is that the American way of entering a man's home? It <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. It's like, how do you enter this home? There's no, like, doorbell. I mean, it's a fucking, I don't know. And then, um, so the cook's trying to figure out who the hell Dennis Hopper is. He thinks he might be with the sissies over at Del Mar Catering. Oh, which those I, assholes. Yeah, I mean, come Del on. Mar. And Dennis Hopper tells them, I'm the lord of the harvest. And the cook wants to know, who, who's that? Some new health food bunch? Over at the Wind Dixie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's when we have our final uh, showdown with Dennis Hopper and the family. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. the cook gets uh, the chainsaw to the asshole, which, uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. Ow, that that dude. Pleasant. Yes, that. Wow. That scene took me through one. And the fact that he survived it as he's as it's progressing and you're seeing him like dealing with it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because, yeah, he's checking on it. He's like, oh, sure, burn my beans bad on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that goes back to just the idea of, like, this movie has so many great, like, lines in it. It's just so quotable. Oh, yeah. And just, I mean, so many, t it's all T-shirt material, bumper sticker material, and I don't think it gets enough appreciation. Because Toby Hooper, he co-wrote this, right? 
No, he did. Uh, Kit Carson is the guy that wrote it. Um, I'm sure that Toby Hooper had lots of input because apparently Kit Carson was on the set every day and carried around a typewriter and literally would type out pages and hand them to the actors to say their Jeez. lines. So, I mean, yeah. they had a script, but it was like on the fly. They were making changes and whatnot. So I'm sure it was kind of a group effort, but uh, like I know. Um, well, no, I was thinking something else. Uh, so at that point we have the chainsaw on chainsaw fight, which is just fu- as awesome as it sounds because I mean, Dennis Hopper with a chainsaw fighting Leatherface, and, uh, they go at it, which is pretty awesome. Um, eventually lefty gets the better of, uh, Leatherface with a chainsaw through the belly and they do a nice little hit the whole chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Is stuck inside his stomach while the, they're still fighting. No, and comes That's through insane. the back. And comes yeah. through the back. Yeah, it's crazy. And apparently that was just a, uh, like, the old Steve Martin arrow through the head is how they did that uh, effect with the chainsaw coming out yeah. of his back. And wow. uh, so, yeah, like you said, he basically loses the chainsaw in Leatherface. I get nicked by, like, a little small nail or something while I'm doing oh. yard work, and I'm done for the day. Fuck yeah. I mean, you guys literally saw me bleeding like this weekend. <laughs> like, might I say, like, I, I didn't talk about this, um, but like I was mowing the yard and I ran into a tree limb and it hit like the top of my scalp and it busted me open like, like dope, like rest, pro wrestling style. Like, and I was so happy um, when it <laughs> happened, like, because once I hit it, it looks really legit. No, it was holy. It was entirely legit. Once I, I hit it, like I knew that I was like, Oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be a bleeder. And I, 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 I reached for my head and, and touch it and I could just feel the wetness. And then I drive my riding lawnmower across the street over to my wife and she's walking <laughs> towards me. And I like, I kind of like raise my hand up and show her like all this blood on my hand. And she starts freaking out. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm fine. I I'm bleeding from my head, but can you just go get a, a, a camera? Like, can, you, can, you, can you get a towel, but also bring my phone because I want pictures. <laughs> and like that was literally like the most important thing to me is like I wanted pictures of it. Um, and uh, I I thought I got some some really great shots of of me actually bleeding from my head. That was one of the first times that I've actually bled from my head. Maybe since I was a little kid when my brother threw a brick at me and hit me right in the forehead. Um, well, of course, Robert and I have our own encounter when he stabbed me in the head with a fucking map pencil. <laughs> Wait, what happened? You're, you're, yeah, this, this was, was what, eighth grade? Eighth grade, ninth grade? Bro, yeah. why what? would you stab Corey in the head with a map pencil? Okay, it wasn't an actual stabbing as much as I had a map color in my hand. And I, I, I don't remember why I did. You were, you were <laughs> acting, I was, I was, you were acting like you were like you know Michael Myers or something. Like you were doing a stabbing motion with it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm getting close. And I got a little too close, and he fucking just stabbed me on the top of my head. But I, but I think I, I think I got you with the the back side of it though, not the actual <laughs> like like not the, the actual shot part. Yeah, yeah, I but the, this is in the middle of art class. <laughs> yeah, this so, is yeah. at school. <laughs> So you 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 got busted open at that yeah, point. Yeah, it, yeah, really I cut him. Yeah, I cut him. For, yeah, and, like and and run you would you would have thought it was a chainsaw though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I never heard this story before. This is great. 
Yeah, in uh, <laughs> Nate Roten's class, art class. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So okay, um, so this is that's but that's basically a scene of 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 where we're at now with like uh, with Leatherface and Dennis Hopper fighting. Um, they're stabbing each other like with chainsaws, and and then the cook somehow finds a goddamn grenade. Yeah, on Nubbins, on the hitchhiker from the first movie. He's been uh, here this whole uh, time, and they just hadn't noticed it before? Hey, again, you're asking okay, questions. Right? <laughs> I'm going to call them phantasm questions. Just don't ask these sure. questions. Fair enough, fair phantasm, enough. Phantasm, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the cook, uh, you know, he's hiding underneath the table because he just got his asshole chainsawed. <laughs> and uh, instead of just weeping and just tears and tears, which is what any normal person would do. <laughs> he, uh, he does this little monologue to himself saying, like, I guess this is the end. So he uh, gets the hand grenade from Nubbins and he pulls the pin. He's holding it. But then uh, grandpa throws a hammer towards lefty, misses him, hits Leatherface. Leatherface falls back. Chainsaw goes through the table, gets cook in the asshole again with a chainsaw. Again, if, if one time wasn't enough. Cook drops the grenade, grenade goes boom. And uh, so we're led to believe that's the end of, you know, most of the Sawyer clan, except uh, Chop Top is chasing Stretch. Uh, she electrocutes him in his plate with uh, a lamp. I love, and, though, how the grandpa throws the uh, the hammer, trying to hit this yeah, hopper, and it hits Leatherface right in the goddamn forehead. It was Enough like to knock him down. Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, this is a guy that, you know, five minutes ago couldn't hold the hammer in his hand at all. And now he's throwing it with enough force to knock down this gigantic man child. Yeah. Yeah, like a baby Huey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's got yeah. A, a Nolan Ryan right arm all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and Leatherface is Robin Ventura. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's, that's probably the most, like, proud moment of, like, Texas history right there. Oh, yeah. When Nolan Ryan beat up Robin Ventura right right there in uh, Texas Stadium. Yeah. So, uh, at that point, you know, Chop Top is giving chase to Stretch uh, after uh, he gets electrocuted. They barely make it out of the caverns uh, as the big explosion goes off. And he's chasing her up the steps to uh, top of the mountain, Chainsaw Heaven, you know, the thing that really bugged me was just the way he slicing at her, the back oh, of her calves with a razor blade. I mean, oh. we've seen so much violence. We saw a man get his face sliced off, and it doesn't bother me as much as just the razor blade on the back of the legs. And she's got great mm. legs. Mm. I feel like this is another scene where it's just kind of sh- like, she look at look at these great legs that she's got, and then he's fucking slicing them up. Oh, yeah, yeah, and... Uh, so they, she fights back. She pulls a Mike Tyson, bites part of his ear off. <laughs> That's what you got to do. And then, uh, you know, she finally gets away from him, gets to the very top of Chainsaw Heaven. And in there is this old desiccated body of grandma with her just old, decaying, saggy. Desiccated. <laughs> just, it, it's like Madonna, basically. Just, just <laughs> And, you know, just, I don't know why they couldn't, they revere Grandma so much, but they couldn't cover up her bare, just nasty boobies. Is I thought it was gratuitous, I'll be honest. I thought of all the stuff in the movie, that could have 
been cut out. She's got some dark nipples. I'll I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, eventually, um, oh god, he's like cutting him his whole own like neck. Like oh yeah yeah. So Chop Top chases Stretch into this room, and they have a stare down. He starts trying to freak her out by slicing his own throat somehow. Not deep enough, I guess, to actually like you know kill himself. And uh, I feel so like she, though at this point too, she's seen enough shit where it's like that's not whatever. gonna face me, motherfucker. I just had my coworker's face on. I'm Eat gonna shit. use this chainsaw, and you're about to get your shit buzzed through. Yeah, so she Which grabs is, uh, the. That's the chainsaw from the first movie, by the way. The green. Oh, one. really? Yeah. That's a cool little That's thing. what Leatherface uses in the first movie. Interesting. So I what's weird though is like also while she's um trying to get it started, Chop Top is over there talking to grandma, but it looks like she's moving on her own. Ah, oh Lord. Did, I don't know. <laughs> did you guys notice that or was it just she like, was alive. I thought she was moving for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think got she, that since I saw I know what you're talking alive. about, but I get that. I thought she, he might have just been jostling her a little okay. bit. Okay. Fair but enough. yeah, Stretch grabs the chick with great effort, I might say, because that corpse has a fucking grip on that a chainsaw. Death grip, might I add. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> and then while yeah, Stretch is trying to get started, and another just bugs me. The, he's behind chop tops behind her, just slicing her back with the razor blade. And uh, eventually she gets it going. He realizes he's fucked. And uh, she gives him a few little licks with the chainsaw. And then, you know, he goes flying off the side of the mountain back into the hole where he came from. And the movie concludes with Stretch on top of this mountain, swinging the chainsaw around wildly like Leatherface at the end of the first movie. And she is now. By the add with the Texas flag flying proudly at the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And apparently what they wanted to do was pan out and in the background right there is I-35 with cars driving by like real life is still happening. And this craziness is going on right here. Dude, that would have been such an amazing thing. Just like because I I, you know, like I've thought about that before. It's like you're just driving down the road and like how many houses do you drive by where like something fucking like really macabre and dark is happening inside there? You know what I mean? Like. How often, like, there's got to be a time or two in everyone's life where they've driven by a house, not knowing, but there's someone maybe murdered in that house that you don't even have any idea. And that kind of goes back to this point. It's like, all these people on I-35, they're just driving, they're, you know, they're living their life. But meanwhile, this poor woman has lived a nightmare over the, over the past maybe week or so of, of the events that have been unfolding in this movie. Yeah, and also... Tell me if I'm wrong, but she's undateable at this point. She's going to have some issues. She's going to have some issues, but I think LG may still date her. He might still be alive. I mean, <laughs> to this day, he's out I there. I don't know. Yeah. Probably at a Dairy Queen, picking up some like, drinks. Spitting. But that's a. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's just a really great way, I think, to end the movie. Just her on. And one of the things I read, I didn't really notice it until I saw it. Um, this is a horror movie where no females die. Oh, wow. You're right. She's like the really only like female in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Other than like grandma. 
With right. Don't discount grandma. <laughs> And Got the it. lady who's in love with Drayton Sawyer at the chili cook-off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's getting it. Yeah. But, but no, that's getting, getting that prime meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's the way the movie ends. I think just a really classic way for it to do. Uh, you know, Toby Hooper didn't really have anything to do with the rest of them. Uh, I think he kind of considered this the end of the Sega with uh, the original family getting blown to bits and whatnot. And... Uh, I I thought it was just I forget the last time I had seen this movie, but holy shit, this is one of those that I'm gonna put in a regular rotation because it is just so outlandish and goofy that it is fantastic. I just I'm watching the credits roll and it says like the hotel furniture is provided by Haverty's. Haverty's. <laughs> I was telling my wife yeah, to watch that last night. It makes night. it home. Yeah, I heard the commercials growing up. <laughs> Oh man, this this was a fantastic film. I I think this is a perfect movie to start off uh, the blood sucking geeks podcast with. Uh, it's it has a little bit of everything that you want in a, a horror film. You know, it's got a strong female lead. Uh, she's not a, your she's not your stereotypical female uh, horror movie you know actress. Like she's very strong. You know, like you know she's she doesn't have a lot of like your typical fallacies in what you consider or expect in a, uh, a female, uh, like starring role in, in horror movies, I guess. Uh, so I, I really like this. Like it doesn't fit within a lot of the stereotypes that, you know, we eventually, you know, see in horror film. Uh, it just kind of blazes its own trails. And I, I, I think this movie does a really good job of that. Yeah, no stretch is definitely a tough broad and, uh, I think just a very authentic Texas character. I mean, she's from Rusk, so just an East Texas type chick. And uh, she almost actually got fired from the movie. Uh, During the first day, she had to do the chainsaw thing, I think it was, and she couldn't really pull it off. And uh, Wait, so the first day of filming was the the last scene? Is that what you're talking about? I think, oh, God, it was so late last night when I watched it. But the first scene she filmed, she was just like, I can't you know, physically do this. And Toby Hoover's like, then just get back in your fucking car and go back to fucking Dallas. Oh, she shit. went back to her hotel room and called her agent and was like, I think I just got fired. But then showed up to the set the next day and it's like nothing had happened. Well, that's pretty much how work goes in Texas, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you get fired, just keep showing up and they'll put you to work. And I'm looking back over my notes right now. There's one thing I did bring up and, um, I have no idea the context of it. Um, Kobe bull semen. Okay. I don't know. It was something <laughs> somewhere where I was talking about the set after she comes out of the smokehouse and chop talk, talking about Nomland. There's something in one of the commentaries about Kobe beef bull semen. And, uh, Oh no. So during the movie, everyone got sick as fuck because there was so much shit in the air in that set. And uh, Bill Mosley said that he was one of the only people that didn't get sick because uh, one of the guys kept bringing this weird Chinese like medicine ball in that was made out of Kobe bull semen. And uh, so he just never got sick because he was eating bull cum, I guess. I would rather just get sick. (laughs) (laughs) I I would rather just just. Yeah, I'll just get sick. Fucking airborne fecal matter. Yeah. They eat like fried bull cum cakes. 
And I think one thing we got to talk about before we uh, wrap this up is there is a deleted scene with uh, Joe Bob Briggs oh, in it. Of course. And uh, it's on the uh, Scream Factory edition, which is the one I got. And it's him and uh, two chicks coming out of a movie theater. And he's telling them about how they did some stunt. And it's part of this larger overall scene that got cut where the whole Sawyer family goes out on like a meat hunt to get meat for their food. And uh, Leatherface pops out and Joe Bob's like, oh, that's great. It's chainsaw food, three stars. Then they all get cut up. Oh, that's great. That's, yeah. That is awesome. I, I have not yet seen that. I think I'm going to hunt either. down the Scream Factory version of this. Oh, it's great. And uh, I think I got it for like 10 bucks. So Wow. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. So I guess um, I guess we're going to have to do our Chainsaw Foo uh, ratings now, boys. Uh I guess we're going to do these uh, like a, on a five-point scale, like one out of five chainsaws. Okay. Corey, you, uh, you're kind of our leader in this one, buddy. Uh, what would you give it? Uh, I give this one five out of five chainsaws. I thought it was the perfect mix of just goofy, black, dark humor that I think lots of people would not even recognize as humor. It's so dark. Uh, good gore. Uh Chop Top, one of the greatest characters in all of horror. Um, they make Leatherface give him a new dimension. The Chef, uh, I think it's Jim Seedow's last movie. Um, just everything about it. Toby, Hoop, Toby Hooper's fucking awesome. Uh, I can't find anything wrong with this, so five chainsaws. Nice. Uh, Robert? I'm going to give it four. Um, and all four of those chainsaws are four Chop Top. <laughs> just one of the greatest characters and then just bill mosley's great in everything he does but like he really you know for the first time watching this in several years like he, he really made the movie for me just like the crazy stuff that he was doing and like Corey said like even before he was on screen you know that voice mm-hmm. like before it even like showed him you knew like oh shit here's chop top he basically like, cr- yeah. created uh an entire career out of from this one movie you know, like it's like everyone is he they they so respect the, what he did that he's yeah. become a horror icon in this one movie. Yeah. So it's the reason he got his jobs with Rob Zombie. And I'm sure the reason he got his job in Savini's Night of the Living Dead, you know, it's 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 an iconic character. That that's what that's what most people remember that movie for. Yeah. Well done. Uh, Cody. What about you, bud? Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say for this is four and a half chainsaws because okay. it's it's a local film it's shot in Austin. You know, uh, it defined a lot of genre stuff like when it comes to that subjective type of horror. And you know, I mean, and it's so many people at the like the peak of their career, but like getting started. You know, like Tom Savini, Bill Mosley, all these guys that have gone on to do like a twenty plus year career in, in horror you know that and they still are pumping stuff out today the only thing i'm remiss is that I've, I've worked with someone that worked on the movie and the first ac is a dude named cooper brown and i, I worked with him on a film and i if i had imdb'd him and realized he worked on texas chainsaw massacre oh. 2 i probably would have asked him some onset questions because he was like loading film and pulling focus for that film but so yeah i give it four and a half because like i said it's like that's a you know it's a great local effort and it's like I can't wait to see more movies that to sort of pit this against because thinking about the budget and the way they shot it and the locations, 
I'm like excited to see stuff that you know that hasn't been done before, and that that's what this movie was for me. I was like, whoa! Now I understand where so many other tropes come from. You know, it's from the is is from like the this is canon. This is like source material for that. So I loved it. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna have to give it four out of five chainsaws, and I think uh, the only reason why I'm gonna dock it a little bit is because the only breasts that we got were grandmas. <laughs> this movie, I was hoping for 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 a little bit more breast boo action, which we didn't get. Um, and you know what though, like while I'm saying that, I'm also kind of happy that Stretch didn't have to go there because I thought she was just like a, a really awesome female, strong female character. She was great in it, um, but I wouldn't have I I, I wouldn't have complained. Because no, she's super <laughs> I, I thought her sexiness her. was tastefully done the way that they showed her. Because for most horror films, you're just going to get gratuitous tits, kind of as a uh, as a bonus for like when there's a kill sometimes. And in this movie, it was like you got these bits and pieces, and it left a lot to the imagination. Yeah, yeah, very I, I, tasteful. I, First time that's ever saying. been used for this movie. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I was like, it was actually tastefully done. <laughs> in this movie where someone got chainsawed in the asshole. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Their face sliced off. Yeah, Toby Hooper's a man of, uh, like, ref- refinement, you know? Like, he's he knows w- when to pick and choose his time uh, for, for like, the macabre and, and the sick and twisted and, and respect women, you know, overall. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up for... Yep. Our first episode of the uh, Blood Sucking Geeks podcast, guys. I, this was we did it a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. We've been talking about it for a while, and we finally made it happen. This is our first episode. Awesome. Yeah, so just Hell you know, yeah. stick with us. We're gonna get better. We're still learning everything, but uh, I think this is a good start. And uh, of course, we were helped by uh, I think a fantastic fucking movie. So uh, I know there's going to be some times the movie's not going to be so good, which will just make it that much more fun. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right. We will see you uh, on the next episode. Uh, who knows what it's going to be? It's going to be a surprise. So you'll just have to tune in for the next episode to find out what our next movie is going to be. Yeah. And uh, follow us on the Facebook page. Facebook page, we we, we we have a Facebook page, so by the time you're hearing this, that's going to be all up and ready to go. Uh, we do have a website, but we're still working on that. Um, so we're really, like, this is literally the very beginning of a uh, of our podcast. So we're going to continue to keep growing this thing. So um, hopefully you'll, you'll like it, and you'll share it with, you know, friends and, you know, family members who are into horror stuff. So um, if, if you think it's if you think it's good, let us know. Uh, but please keep sharing it, and then that, that way other people can kind of find out about it. And we especially with your grandmothers. If you've got big-breasted grandmothers, definitely share with them. <laughs> with dark nipples, so mm, chocolatey. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's gonna do it. We will see you later. All right, bye. Thirteen years ago. Audiences across America were horrified by the brutality of a faceless killer. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. 
directed by Toby Hooper. Starts Friday, August 22nd at theaters everywhere.